Hello Survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 71, wherein we'll be going to Alcatraz and reuniting with a long-missing friend in our breakdown of the CGI film Resident Evil Death Island. My name is Sai, and joining me on the panel this week, like Jill Valentine, he might also disappear for 14 years and emerge wearing the same outfit, but in his case it'll be because of the long-awaited release of Baldur's Gate 3. It's Moist Owlet, aka James. <laughs> That's a really long intro, nice. Appreciate that. <laughs> Sorry, I'll go right to the opposite end of the spectrum. Kissed by dangerous bio-drones, it's Kelsey, aka KDB. <laughs> I'm not stopping to count them. <laughs> In 2015, our heroes assembled to save the world. Elsewhere, this man missed the call as he was too busy being hopelessly addicted to Revelations 2's raid mode. It's fire button Steve Valance. Hi, everybody. Every episode of First Aid Break is recorded live on our Discord server, so join now to hear the show early and unedited and to become part of our fantastic little community where we discuss life, the universe, and Resident Evil. You can find a link to the server as well as all of our social media profiles at our website, fasprayPod.com. It's the support of our listeners that keeps First Aid Break going, so why not check out our merchandise or our Patreon page? Tiers begin at just $1 a month. Head over to patreon.com forward slash fasprayPod for a full list and the chance to create bonus first. First aid spray content. Okie dokie then. Let's talk about us for a little bit. Actually, let's talk about our Patreon specifically for a little bit. Welcome new Patreon member, the one and only JC Wesker. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you to all of our Patreons for continuing to support First Aid Spray. Uh, This is one of those episodes that's come quite quickly after the last one. So in terms of new content, I mean, last episode, I feel like I spoke for like five minutes about stuff we put out. So this is a little bit shorter by comparison. Uh, The latest episode of Now That's What I Call Survival Horror is up for Patreon members where Sherwin picked his top 10 tracks from Resident Evil Remake, the 2002 Resident Evil title. Uh, Long-awaited, I think, entry in this series, and a great conversation indeed. So that's Patreon exclusive for Tyrants and Masterminds. Uh, meanwhile, the latest Now That's What I Call Survival Horror episode to go over to SoundCloud is our Parasite Eve episode, so that should be on your feeds now if you haven't seen it. As always, uh, the show comes much earlier to YouTube than it does on SoundCloud, but they are there if you want to listen to them after the fact. Speaking of which, the new episode of Tear Death Experience is now out on our YouTube where we ranked the final boss themes from the mainline Resident Evil games. So it's been a very musical time for First Age Bray recently, I guess. So yeah, go check that out. Uh, I think that's everything from us. So Steve, would you like to take us into the news? Only one story this week. Resident Evil 2 is now the best-selling game in the series. I love talking about this stuff. I like when we get to do this. Um, Yes, uh, we're talking, of course, individual entries. I think Resident Evil 5 still leads the pack um, in terms of multiple SKUs from all different uh, platforms and that kind of stuff. But in terms of an individual release, Resident Evil 2 is now top of the Resident Evil pile with 12.6 million units. Uh, overtaking Resident Evil 7, which is now on 12.4. This puts Remake 2 as Capcom's third ever best-selling title underneath Monster Hunter World and Rise. Um, and then following up behind Resi 7, we also have Resi 5, Resi 6, Resi Village as well. So I think, I mean, we're all just sort of waiting on this. It's not so much expecting it as waiting on it. Kelsey, is, I, I assume that's the case, right? It's just a matter of time. 
Yeah, I have a feeling we even said on a previous episode that we think RE2 Remake is going to become number mm. one soon. Like, in the, whether that was like last year or, or before, I don't know. So, yeah, it's not surprising. Um, funnily enough, it's the it's a game that I played last Sunday because um, <laughs> I just like had a hankering to play it. And I haven't really had that with any of the others. So, you know, it's got something. Um, mm. I love it. I don't have too much to say yeah i'm just not surprised it's uh yeah it's it's an awesome game um it's funny because we also have now i guess the top two are the two different types of perspectives as well so it's yeah. like capcom are in a position where they're like oh what what do we do for the future which route do we want to stick hmm. with but they're both incredibly popular so so yeah i'm sure we'll get more third person um resident evils as well as first person at this rate Yes, that's a very, very good point. And I think in terms of two games that you would like to see at the top, uh, it is not only is it nice to see two new games, January 2017 and January 2019, um, but they're both you know befitting of being this high up. And Resident Evil 2 Remake, yeah. uh, more, than, more than seven. People, of course, love seven and talk about seven, but people st- are still talking about Remake 2 um, four years on now. It's, it was a huge point in the franchise and it's still very much looked back on positively. Um, James, how do you feel about this update? Uh, a lack of surprise, I think, all around? Yeah, it's great. Um, I, I've, I've, I've often said, you know, that uh, like RE7 was basically the, you know, was the, was the flagship, um, you know, but like that, that kind mm. of restarted everything. But RE2 was the one that kind of got everybody really back in fire. again yeah like everybody yeah. came in after remake 2 and yeah it definitely deserves it like no matter the you know what the internet says it deserves everything you know that uh, and it, it's and it's shown just with the sale that i apologize for all the noise behind me hang on <laughs> uh steve how do you feel about this uh, sales update well i have to say i think re verse and exo prime will have got a a bit of a, a bit of a climb to get to the top spot because I don't think <laughs> RE2 remake's shifting anytime soon. If anything, maybe I mean, for remake, maybe I know it's you not say the top that, spot, Steve. but that's Monster Hunter, isn't it? But you know, you say that, but Reverse sold in theory 8.3 million units because that's how much Shut Village up. did. No, well, free I mean, with Village. How much Stop did it. Shadows of Rose sell? How much did Shadows yeah. of Rose sell? Because that's not Village; that's a DLC <laughs> for oh, Village. But it- but it came with Village. The DLC code was in the box of Village. Um, I cannot. Yes. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just saying. Yes, but how many people have installed that? <laughs> I was going to say. It doesn't change about the fact that there are six people playing it right now. But sorry, yes, do carry on. <laughs> no, I, I think it's great. It's. It's uh, honestly I, at the time it, when all the awards was going around in 2019, and when RE2R got snubbed. I was livid. So the fact that this is now the third best-selling Capcom title of all time, yeah, yeah. I, I would say uh, it turns out it probably was actually more rated than people were giving it credit for at the time, and that's outside mm-hmm. of Resident Evil circles. Uh, mm. We we will have to sit with bated breath as to what the newest entry will look like when it comes. Will it be a third person, or will it be a first person like like my uh, my compatriots have just said? But I think, yeah... Uh, it's, it was it was kind of like I think the writing's been on the wall for a while, and I'm kind of happy it's landed. Yeah, for sure, 
For sure. Resident Evil, like, generally is in a bit of an odd spot right now, especially now that we've had Death Island. Aside from any anticipated Resident Evil 4 remake DLC, like, after that, we actually have no idea what's to come next, whether it's a new game or a spin-off or another remake. So, yeah, you're right. It will be really interesting to see what sort of perspective it lands in and what kind of maybe informed it and that kind of stuff. But uh, I think that does it for the news, which is handy because we get to cover a brand new release. Speaking of which in Resident Evil Death Island. And now, reading the file, Officer's Diary from Resident Evil Village, Erin O, who you can find on Casting Call Club at Mantanimi. The King's orders finally arrived. Withdraw. It is most vexing that we must abandon the border stronghold to those heretics. If I had but a little more time, I know I might be able to turn the tides of this battle. Nay, I should not put on airs. It is my curiosity that ties me to this place. There are a number of ruins in the vicinity which the locals say are very ancient. The ceremony site with four giant statues, the caves with murals carved on the walls, the stone plinth they call the giant's chalice. Where did the people who built them come from? Where did they go? It irks me that we must abandon this place without knowing. It feels like we've been talking about this for ages, but the film was actually only first revealed in February of this year. But I suppose it feels like we've been talking about it for ages because the last few weeks we've all just been doing the collective sort of uh, shrug of shoulders being like, well, well, where is it then? Because Capcom and Sony uh, have not been overly clear on when this film is coming out. We talked about that over the last few podcasts with various different updates in the news about release dates, some playing in cinemas in certain parts of the world and coming to streaming here, there and not other places. And um, yeah, we've, I mean, we might as well start with that before we even get into the film because I feel like we probably all got a little bit of frustration to get off of our chest. But when it comes to the UK, we were given one release date um, that it was coming digitally, uh, pre-order now, but nowhere actually had any option to pre-order. It was, you know, listed on Amazon, for example, but you couldn't pre-order it um, up, up to the day of release. And the release day came and went, and nobody really knew what was going on. Um, as of August the 1st, um, it is now streaming in the UK on various places, but the physical edition of the film, I believe, comes out later to the end of the month and in other places in Europe. They're still waiting. For example, our friend uh, Chaotic Claire in Germany is waiting until October, I think it is. Um, this is, I mean, I'll let everyone else rip into it. Quite frankly, insulting and ridiculous, is it not, James? Sorry, yes, I'm here. Hello. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is... Uh, oh, it's... It's so infuriating. It's, it's and it, and it's because you know if this was the first time we'd be like, oh, okay, Capcom, okay, Sony, you know, but this isn't. This is like the third time this has happened right. for big releases, and we just cannot give them any slack for this. Like it's it's and it's not just Resident Evil, by the way. Like it's other stuff too, and we've done podcasts on it as well. Mortal Kombat, for instance, mm-hmm. right? And, and mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you 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 feel like you're second-hand fans, you know. You feel like you don't actually matter, mm-hmm. and I, you know, and it, and that might be the case, you know, and, and that is, yeah, it's it's not fair on on you know on us as fans, like for to be constantly insulted like this, of every time, mm-hmm. and we have to essentially we have to go out of our way like to find, you know, we I mean we didn't even know it was online, you know, it was streaming online until yeah, just 
recently. Like, okay, Steve just found it, didn't you? Just randomly by looking on Xbox on August first. Not there he yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. I divined it by using a farmyard animal's blood. But first, you know, the usual rituals, <laughs> the sense kind of thing. And it's uh, it's a yeah. You're welcome, world. <laughs> it's a um. It's also let's forget about us for a second. Let's think about the, all the people that worked on it, right? And yeah. like, it's also an insult to them. They put so much work into doing this media, this this content, right? And they are undermined because of silly licensing or you know silly releases. Like, so it'll be it'll be something silly like that. You know, something that is inconsequential. Um, and yeah, I I just everybody but Sony or whoever is in charge of all this. Every, I feel for, sorry for everybody, and we should be constantly mm. tweeting at them and adding them to say this is not good enough. Yeah, I, be- I mean, I, I'm going to have to say, you know, personally speaking, I believe Sony is more to blame for this than others, as you've said, because we had the same issue with Mortal Kombat, and they are the distributor for the film. So I think it lays on, on their uh, head. And <clears throat> it's a weird one, because I suppose the argument is, you know, do they feel like it's worth them putting a certain amount of effort into to give it a launch around the world at the same time and whatever and get everything sorted or are they just kind of dragging their feet with it because they feel like well we're not going to get that much money for it anyway but here's the thing sony we live in 2023 you're probably going to get less money now than you would have done <laughs> it's gone down every every moment you waste not making it available the shut up and take my money meme at this point it's <laughs> speak up and let me give you my money like that's the problem isn't it people want to pay to own copies of this film physically or pay for a rental to stream it and if you don't provide it and as we said this with the Mortal Kombat film people will find elsewhere that's just how it works we live in 2023 now it's it's not that hard uh kelsey you know i was gonna say where do you fall down in this but i'm really sure we're all feeling pretty burned by this <laughs> yes stop having a go at sony everyone go on now. <laughs> um it you just hit the nail on the head it feels like we're back at the night back in the 90s and i i completely get that there's like a thousand logistical things out there to sort out when releasing a movie worldwide but this stuff doesn't happen with spider-man doesn't happen with yeah. ghostbusters it yeah. it shows that sony are prioritizing its products and like you said yes it's a smaller audience for this movie than something like ghostbusters and it's made in japan and sony probably think well the value of the uk and the eu markets for this film it's 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 not worth our effort and they think let's just kind of cut our losses really and it's that's you know to us that feels silly because we're the Resident Evil fans and we're the ones getting screwed over but you know Sony are just looking at the numbers at the end of the day so they think that yeah they they just think it's not worth our time and money or effort to make a global release even though in 2023 it's a million times easier than it was in the 90s so as far as I'm concerned there's no excuse and Mm -hmm. I really dislike it it is insulting I think if Sony took things like this more seriously, then, you know, who knows? Maybe we'd end up with better things all round. And, you know, it's weird because also, I don't know if anybody else saw, they clearly went out of their way for this to send the cast on like a promo tour. And the voice actors have been, I must have seen like over 10 different interviews and loads of videos on YouTube where they've been promoting this movie specifically together as a voice cast. So Sony have put the effort in there, but then completely balls it up and not given anyone in the UK and the EU access to the movie. So 
it's counterproductive and makes no sense. And if this was maybe cared for a little bit more and it was in the cinema in the UK, maybe it would have been a bit more of an event and there would have been hype online. Everyone would have been excited and yeah, and everybody wins. But yeah, it's just really depressing, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's odd because as you say, like they did some amount of marketing for it, but they've also been incredibly vague when it comes to our market specifically. Like they put a lot of effort in one place and not a lot of effort elsewhere and i think the real problem that was really hurt um us as sort of a community in the discord server we talked about it is just a complete lack of communication about what's going on we were just in the dark we didn't know when it was coming where it was coming what the situation was you know was that the uh, maybe the worst thing steve 100 percent. you know i i feel like i can't really go over the same points we've already gone over enough times but can we just Mm. like put a few more, few pennies in the swear jar because it is like absolutely f-ing atrocious that that, yeah. that I'm pretty sure it releases one side of the world and only then do certain parts of the world like for example Germany find out that they not they're not getting the film until October like that to me says these get it physically you have to wait half a year or a third of a year that there is I don't know. The, the chat saying, is it a licensing issue? I mean, possibly, but I feel like no licensing issue should be three months no. past release. No, yeah, uh, it's laziness. Yeah. It's what it is. <laughs> sort it, out. it boggles my mind because like Netflix distributed like uh, Infinite Darkness globally the same day. Uh, surely mm. a similar process mm. could be done. I'm, I'm pretty sure at some point it will probably end yep. up on Netflix because the other Resident Evil CGI films did. Uh, mm. Mind-boggling. Frustrating. I I don't want to go over what everyone else is saying. So, yeah, it's stupid. And they should really, really sort it out because it, people will... They'll do less uh, legitimate and honourable means to purchase it. And then everyone loses out on money, all the people who made the film, all the people who acted yeah. in the film, all the people who promoted the film. Uh, it's stupid. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, I think we've probably... <laughs> gone over that point enough everyone probably tuned in to hear us talk about the film uh, but we absolutely need to talk about that ahead of it anyway so right that out of the way let's talk about our experiences with Death Island um, this of course is the follow up to Resident Evil Vendetta in a sense uh, it's a bit of a a bit of a soft sequel but a sequel nonetheless um, and lots of hype going into this of course because this is the film with the return of Jill Valentine and also in the later stages of the marketing it's Resident Evil Avengers you know essentially like pretty much every major player is here uh, with with a few exceptions um, so there was a certain degree of interest going into this even though we probably all should have been a little bit on the back foot because Infinite Darkness was terrible. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about the story of Death Island. Maybe let's not race to the end. Talk more about the setup and that kind of stuff and how we felt, um, you know, leading into going to Alcatraz prison um, as our characters are drawn together uh, for a few different reasons. But, you know, essentially, oh no, new bioterrorism alert. Steve, how did you feel about the setup to Death Island? I thought it was kind of cute. Like, going in, I was expecting Avengers like mini vignettes with all the characters doing various things leading in. And we even get stuff with the villain. We get, like, emphasis on their backstory. And then we smash cut to Leon basically doing the Matrix car chase from Reloaded. And then Claire checks out an orca and 
Jill then finally gets a, a, a reintroduction to the quote-unquote semi-present day. It's still eight years previous. Mm. Uh, flashlight abusing some poor home and shooting a zombie. It was actually kind of neat. Uh, mm. I'm surprised that of all the characters to get like their own intro vignette, Chris is just, hi, I'm Chris, I'm here. Like, that, that, that was, Everyone that was, knows who he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was surprising. I, honestly, I feel like this uh, a little bit caught for the hospital. I feel like poor Chris got a bit, of the, you know, bit of the stick. There. It was like, mm. uh, but yeah, no, I generally enjoyed it, and it did. Like, I do feel like at some point someone did watch the first Avengers film for like a almost a treatment plan, at least initially, because yeah. that's how it all feels. Like establishing this, establishing this. Don't mm. spend too long like going. Here's the true lore of everything and all the big reveals. And we even get Umbrella Soldiers in Raccoon City for the millionth time. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, James, how did you feel about the opening to Death Island? And as Steve was probably correctly said, the sort of Avengers intro for everyone, sort of, here's where they are at the moment. <laughs> yeah, they definitely took uh, yeah, definitely took some pointers from Avengers, even the music. Um, if you listen to mm. the music this, <laughs> of this movie, it's exa- it's just... You know, it's the same, but they do a little. They do little dips. You know, you could literally just you know put it over the Avengers theme, and it'd be the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. In terms like of the story, I like as a summary, and I'll talk about it later on. But I wasn't impressed with it. Um, but I wasn't. It's just I wasn't particularly. Uh, I didn't have high expectations from it because it's a CGI Resi film. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I it was. It, it started great. Like I, I thought the uh, it was nice uh, seeing the Raccoon City incident again, um, but they did it like they they framed it really well. Um, Agreed. Yeah, and it was it was really exciting. Um, in fact, like in my notes, I put holy expletive. This is good. Like because I was, it was awesome to see feet on the ground um, mm-hmm. and see real because the acting was pretty good there too. Um, and yeah, it was a really great way to start the movie. Um, I felt, um, but yeah, like as a summary, and again, I'll go into details later, but as the film went on, it kind of deteriorated a bit, which kind of sucked, but Mm. yeah, I did enjoy the first half of the movie at least. Yeah, that, that opening scene with who we come to know as Dylan, uh, is, is, was really strong for me as well. Like, Mm -hmm. you know. We kind of joke about how Raccoon City has gone from the fourth survivor to the twenty-something survivor at this point because they just keep popping up. Um, but as you say, the framing is the perfect way to put it. it. Was just so good on this. Even though, yes, I was a little bit confused that Umbrella have another private army because he's not USS, even though he kind of looks like it. I mean, and he's not UBCS. He's wearing full black body armor with Umbrella logos and being told to keep corporate. You know, protect corporate interests and anyone else dies. It's not like at any point going, are we the baddies? Like, <laughs> because right. he's, he's a very different cut of cloth from the standard umbrella stock, I feel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 yeah it's interesting. But, like, it was funny because we've obviously we covered Outbreak recently and there was a little scene in that where they showed them sort of setting up the police barricade. And then it was really cool to kind of see it again here. And uh, it almost feels, it gives you those kind of vibes of like, oh, here's a little separate story that took place in the, you know, big explosion of grief that was Raccoon City. Um, So those are always really nice to see. Um, And all the little fine details, like 
the if they are USS guys, if they're not USS guys, they don't have the right logo and they don't have the masks. That's basically it. Because they have the MP5, so I thought that was really cool. That they have, you know, the guns that they should have if they're in the squad and stuff. The bike scene was a little bit nonsense to me, but fine, it's Leon, you kind of expect that. And really did kind of hammer home this is a Vendetta sequel. Uh, Claire doing a Revelations 1 was fine by me uh, William Gunner the man on the beach who jumps when seagulls fly away <laughs> so that was a bit odd. he's a marine life <laughs> or wildlife expert who got freaked out by flying birds um, and Jill yeah what an opening scene for Jill to come back in mm. skulking around the dark uh, I love the bit where she pushes herself off the wall with a zombie to force it down to the floor below. And then we see that bit where she shoots through the table, which we saw in the trailers. Yep, just like a really strong intro. Kelsey, how did you feel about the opening to Death Island? Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> I think <laughs> uh, I love when new perspectives are given to stories that we already know, which yeah. is you know what the intro is. Um, so yeah, telling the story of this soldier who was there in 1998 and how those events have affected him, I think, and the butterfly effect that that caused and leads us to the events of this movie. It's sort of, it broadens the scope of the universe. Um, and I think it, it, yeah, it just makes, it just adds depth. And I kind of, like, like James said, I was like, oh, this is really good. I sat up and with my expectations on the floor, I sat up and took notice straight away. I thought the opening was tonally superb. Mm. Um, yeah, so like the concept, that concept at the of the story at the core of the movie, I think was pretty decent. And I like self-contained movies that take place in one location. I think that keeps it grounded and immersive. You know, mm. there's no sort of crazy globe trotting from china in six hours and i think <laughs> the choice the choice of alcatraz is cool it's iconic i think as the viewer you know where you are and what you're dealing with um and yeah we'll talk more about characters in a bit but i just think mm. the, the film went out of its way in the setup to kind of give a reason for everyone being where they are yeah. and i think it very neatly brought them all together to alcatraz in a way that didn't feel kind of far-fetched or pointless and yeah, it gave them all something very specific to do. Um, so I was pleased with that. Um, I do have some other issues. I mean, I don't know what what else we want to cover. I think, like you, Si, I really loved that Jill intro. I thought that was really strong. It's funny, Steve, because, yeah, like Chris is... <laughs> I was seeing them all get their intro, and as ridiculous as Leon's one, Chris's was... His intro was appearing in Jill's intro at the very end, <laughs> which it did make. It's me about laugh. time, to be honest. Um, I th- yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, the scene with them all getting coffee kind of made me laugh, and it was like they were talking. Oh, it's like on oh, another day at the office, and they were all talking about work. I thought was good, and yeah, I found myself in these kind of first twenty minutes or so really enjoying it in the introduction of the characters that the leon introduction was dumb and yeah he's just he's tom cruise within like one <laughs> minute of appearing and it's just like yeah, yeah okay same old leon yeah but yeah as a setup i thought it was strong i thought that the flashback setup with dylan was really really good and the introduction of the heroes was broadly broadly really strong um yeah as far as the opening of the film goes anyway yeah, I think I absolutely agree. Um, 
And now, you know, it's worth saying in case... I mean, I imagine everyone who's listening to this has watched the film. It'd be a bit silly if not to, but uh, for what it's worth, Leon's looking for the missing Dr. Taylor, um, and Claire sort of identifies a uh, bitten whale, and there are reports coming from Rebecca that there have been infections around the general area from people who... Uh, their bites are not spreading infection. So where did their infection come from? And everything they've had... The one thing all these people have in common is that they're at Alcatraz, which we kind of knew that from the trailer. It's not any more complicated than the trailer made it seem. So as you say, uh, the lo- the large sort of group of them do go there. Rebecca stays home to be the girl in the chair, and then they bump into Leon along the way, which I also appreciate that they didn't just send everyone in one big sort of group. They actually were like, right, here's a core thing, and then we're going to actually sort of like drop the other characters in as we go. I thought it was really, really good. And to your point, Kelsey, as well, the single location thing, I hadn't necessarily considered it, but you're absolutely right. It was it was good just being like, right, the story takes place here. That's it. Done. Like, so we, <laughs> now we can go. And they wasted sort of, I feel like they wasted as little time as possible get ro- to get rolling with it, while also addressing some of the themes that were coming up. Um throughout the rest of the film because we see that flashback with Dylan this is going to be something that gets addressed over the course of the film which I thought was really really clever that they kept going back to his villain origin uh, origin yes. story and they set up a little bit of like Jill's <coughs> still pretty messed up uh, and uh, Chris's intro in fact is not him being boulder punching Chris it's him being I think you should step a step back from action for a little while Chris trying to be sort of like the caring guardian of them all so I feel like it's slotted together really well and as you say we'll talk about it more when we get to characters um, but yeah let's let's start getting into the guts of the story then I guess um, Steve how did you feel about Death Island as it trucked along we got to the prison it, mayhem begins feel free to go honestly as much as I was enjoying the action set pieces a lot of it seemed to just be like and and then this happens and then this happens. And the, the whole way that the group gets separated, uh, Jill just basically sees some dude break a, randomly a bit of the floor breaks and she thinks, I'm going to see what's going on. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to go for a dive. Doesn't mention anything. You know, just like alley-oop. Uh, bit, of a, bit of a unique way to break up the cast. Uh, and she enters the sewers of meeting other cast members because that's where they all do it. Uh, yeah, it was uh, honestly... Weirdly contrived, but acceptable. If you can just, t- if you could turn your brain off and enjoy it as a ensemble cast action movie, but the the depths of it does it like in the middle we have a big zombie fight, then they encounter liquors, and then Leon meets Jill, and then and then the big villain does his like you know monologue speeches and stuff. It's it's a little bit like trying to chew on action pieces and then a, a story thread behind it that's not all that deep. I, I, unfortunately, I haven't seen The Rock and I haven't been to Alcatraz, so I don't know if they're trying to riff on that film. So I'm <laughs> a little bit lost here, but personally. I, I felt like at times we were just jumping back and forth with not really much plot progression uh, until people get stabbed by the uh, the MacGuffin of the week. <laughs> I don't disagree with that, to be fair, when you say I hadn't really considered it, but... Uh, I guess my sort of forgiveness for it comes from the fact that it does kind of just move along at a good enough pace that I wasn't really worried about it. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy the characters talking and interacting. And Chris had like, you know, as much as I normally like go, oh, Chris is going to be generic. He like had this like moment of standing on a railing and like helping a lady and also shooting like, Jesus, way to accentuate (laughs) how muscly the man is, which is actually kind of fun. I liked it. Jill's doing combat knife WWE moves and Claire's being... (laughs) a Resident Evil protagonist in comparison to everybody else since helping people. Uh, if you look at each character individually, that's kind of cool. Leon's actually 
RE4 Leon, I feel. Like, he's somewhere between every other version, but mostly the original RE4 Leon, just a bit more mature, if that makes any sense. Uh, like, I feel the quips yeah. and silliness. I feel like Matt Mercer's doing the best he can of basically doing what Paul Mercier did back in the day. Just less camp. Yeah, I've definitely got some things to say about Leon when we get there, but we're talking about sort of that action sequence, like... Yeah, spot on. Like, I love the fact they had Claire sort of, like, helping other people. And I was so worried because they get her in, like, a, a cell. She's putting a table up against the door because there's zombies banging on it. And she realises that, oh, no, she's trapped in there with the zombies uh, because of the way that we find out that it's, quote-unquote, spreads. Um, I was really, We didn't see a resolution to that, which is a shame. But I'm also very glad that she didn't get saved by someone. I was like, right, she's surrounded mm. by zombies. Inevitably now Leon's going to turn up or whatever. Do you know what? I'm I'm happy that we didn't get a resolution. She just got out and we just didn't see it because she's cool like that. She can do things. We don't have to see them all. For me, it was fine. It moved along uh, good enough speed, as I say, that I wasn't overly bothered by some of that kind of stuff. Um, but you're right, it was, wasn't was super deep at this point. It was just like, we're in a prison and there's zombies and now there's Zickers, oh no. <laughs> but it's not a lengthy film, so I never like... I was just like constantly entertained by the, the, the crazy goings-on. Uh, James, how did you feel about sort of like the mid... Let's talk, yeah, just talk about the middle of the film. I'm going to attack your comment um, about the Claire in the room thing. I thought that was really badly done. <laughs> I, okay. I was so out of I was like oh sweet we're gonna see how Claire gets because that's what this movie is it's we're putting you up against an impossible odd now we want to see you get out of that impossible odd what are you gonna do and we didn't get to see that and it was Claire who we don't get to see to do much you know in the last thing in Infinite Darkness she like she like was going to Lamp. she she was going to Leon <laughs> um, and yeah. like for everything she needed in this one I wanted to see her do something like other than yeah, I, I was very disappointed by that scene, right? Because it was it was also set up like there was going to be something else after it, right? Because I, it was like doing that that pacey thing where it was going really fast. There were like you know twenty thirty second like scenes between the characters that they were trying to fight off everything. Um, yeah, and I really really wanted to see how she how she got by that. But yeah, the next scene we get with her, she's okay, and <laughs> it it annoyed me so much. Um, yeah, when it comes to, like, kind of the other, everyone else, like, it was great when Leon and and Jill met up. I think that was probably my favorite part. Yeah. Um, I did mm-hmm. not enjoy the very Rule six rule 34 liquor section um, that I, I put down in notes. It felt very, <laughs> it felt very weird. Um, mm-hmm. I It was clearly inspired by something uh, that someone had seen on the internet. Um, but... Yeah, other than that, like around that, I really enjoyed um, all the like the action scenes, there, especially with Leon, like being. I was trying to look at Leon in this as a Leon that I know know of him as in the CGI movies, rather than the Leon in the video games. And it was the way he was acting was very Leon, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the CGI movies, and it was cool, you know, when he, uh, <laughs> you know, when he was counting his bullets and he threw, you know, he, he exploded the. What did he explode? I can't remember now. It's like a yeah gas tank. Yeah, it's gas the Resident tank, Evil yeah. world. Red red tankies with explosion. And like the the like the back and forward between those two was great. Like it was just complete cold, like cold openers and closers between the both of them. Like while they're trying yeah. to, it was very fun uh, to listen to them uh, both uh, during that scene. Um, yeah, and I did like Chris in this, like because I didn't get to see Chris do mm. much, and 
that is always going to be a positive for me because we get to see Chris do too much. But the things he did do um, were pretty impactful. Like, you know, like you mentioned, Cy, the dragging up of the person and then doing like a really wild move, like where he was picking her up and at the same time shooting under himself to shoot another zombie. And then it was... (laughs) It was cool to look at. It was like very actiony, and I, I liked it. But it didn't. Yeah, there was there was what I put down as uh, you know stupid people moments. Um, one of those, you know, there, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was things that didn't need to happen, but they did because they were for you know for the action of it all. Um, yeah, uh, and another thing, it was great seeing Chris and Chris and Claire together. You know, yes, um, yes, especially yeah, because. Mm. We've not seen that often <laughs> at all, really, uh, as well. Yeah. And it was it was so good seeing them. I would have liked a little bit more conversation between them both, because um, mm-hmm. what I was getting was, oh yeah, we've been we've been chilling out, you know, for years, um, and right. you know, we're, this, we're we're old hats now, right? But we don't know that as a viewer. Yeah. Um. So I would have loved a little bit more on that. Um. Yeah. Uh. If we're talking about the mid, that was pretty much a very large part of the mid. And then we'll get into kind of the start of the end game, which was um, when the infection started happening um, and the monsters Mm, and stuff. Uh, But yeah, it it was it was fine. um, But there were just a lot of stupid people parts. And I don't like that. (laughs) Fair. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, what's I mean? We expected this because it's the first time all these characters have been a thing together. But there are so many cool pairings that you get to see for the first time that, as you say, uh, are not... They're kind of written as if they're not the first time because... Uh, and that's very deliberate, clearly. It's like, oh, you know, well, this can't be the first time Jen and Leon have met each other. So we're just going to pretend that they haven't. And it's fine. And it works. And you're right. I would have loved um, some more conversation from everyone. But that's just the pace of the film. But it was really nice to see Jill and Claire interact for the first time and Rebecca interact with other characters that aren't Chris Um, (laughs) and and yeah even Chris and Claire who have interacted before but just to see that again and also just to see them because the last time I guess that I can think of was Code Veronica and that's a very different situation where Chris comes in to save Claire and gets her at her most uh, vulnerable moment whereas this point they just seem completely on the level they know what each other is capable of and they don't sort of get in each other's way and I really like that like they both have a moment where they fight zombies off together and they're both doing their own thing Um, and whilst I completely see your point earlier about sort of not resolving the Claire moment and giving her a badass thing she did get her own badass moments later by just you know being Claire and looking after people and saving this guy that just called her a terrorist which is uh, one of the many Mm. great little nods and throwbacks this film has mentioning something like Harvardville but popped for that I was I didn't expect a degeneration reference Uh, okay cool and then Piers getting a name drop which is a little odd because it sounds like Chris is telling the story of Piers for the first time and it's like three years after he died so I'm like that seems a little odd but you know what you do you, my friend, if that's traumatic to you and you haven't told Jill about it, okay. It's a little unbelievable to me, but fine, whatever. <laughs> sure. Stuff like that was was really cool. Even uh, Dr. Taylor's fake name, 
it's something Tony Davis, which felt to me like a reference to Senator Ron Davis from Degeneration. I might just be like no, making I, that up. Yeah, but no, I felt that too. Like, hmm. I thought, yeah, I thought so, especially since he mentioned Harvardville as well. I was like, that seems like it was deliberate. So that whole little section with the three of them really stood out to me, as did, as you said, James, the, the liquor section. Not for the, the parts that you mentioned, the negative bits, which I do get, but also I thought the liquors in this were not just really cool to look at, but they... They did lickery things, which you don't always get to see, like the way they grabbed Jill by the like ankle and pulled back to try and get her. And meanwhile, Leon's gun arm gets caught by another tongue and they're getting restrained a bit. I was like, cool, we don't necessarily get enough of that kind of stuff, I feel like. But yeah, the middle for me was quite exciting. Um, it's definitely got some negatives to it, but I was I was having a good time. Kelsey, how did you feel like the the middle of the film went? Yes, I think I sort of largely agree with you. Sorry. I mean, I've got sp- some specific things to talk about for Claire and the liquors and stuff, which I'm going to save until characters mm. and BOWs. But, like, I was having a lot of fun with this film. Um, the set pieces we've kind of talked about and mentioned, and yeah, I was surprised at how much fun I was having. And then, kind of different to you, Sai, I think my issue was the pacing was then too fast. I think it just started right. to rush through things a bit too quickly because i was seeing all this potential and then it kind of had a similar issue to uh, our beloved welcome to raccoon city and uh, that's <laughs> the thing is when you have an ensemble cast you will inevitably with a runtime like this end up not dedicating as much time to characters and story threads that i think would be you know needed right. to to have the best impact so with that in mind i think this movie and the story it was trying to trying to tell maybe could have done with like another 40 minutes i mean maybe some lengthier character intros some more you mentioned the flashbacks uh, um to show dylan's journey like they were some of the best parts of the film yeah we could have had maybe a bit more of that and to show the journey of how he got from there to this you know this fateful day here at alcatraz so and in his dealings with antonio as well so um yeah it just kind of it, it it Steve said as well, it just jumped from one thing to the next and it dumped the bits of plot in there and you just kind of, you didn't really have time to latch onto it. But I thought what it was trying to tell was quite interesting and it, it does slow down a couple of times, uh, mainly with Jill. I think those scenes are all excellent. Um, and the, you know, the scene with um, Jill and Chris talking to each other, with Jill and Leon in the sewers, with Jill's intro, like so much of Jill is the best, and then even leading towards the ending as well. Um, but yeah, with a 90 minute runtime, I just think the story was never reaching the depths that I think it had that potential for. And so, and you know, I'm kind of, I'm not saying that like 90 minutes isn't, you know, a bad thing you know it's nice to have this easily digestible film but yeah. in this case we have the five heroes and one villain and i think you know the balance is a little bit off and i started to feel that as i got past the middle of the movie i was like right we're rushing here i would have quite liked to slow down i, f- I felt like the ending was on the way before it should have been so yeah and you know people have kind of jokingly called this resident evil's avengers which honestly is not a bad idea and i think possibly a couple of movies with everyone finally coming together to take down this big new villain in Dylan could have been 
really yes. good. Um, that is kind of not to put the cart before the horse, but I would have really have liked this event to end it on a cliffhanger, and we'll, then we have like a third one with Vendetta yeah. being one of this two, and then three would have been great. Yeah, and I think we could have done that. So, yeah, despite the fun I was having, it just it felt like when I was watching this and it was passing through, it was going kind of past the midpoint of the film it felt like i was watching maybe like the finale to a tv series where we haven't seen like the previous eight episodes because <laughs> it they had all come together and the big action was happening whereas all that build-up of what these characters were doing with their lives and how they've been brought together as pawns and stuff was just kind of rushed through a bit so but that you know it sounds like i'm being overly critical i was still kind of having fun as i was watching it i think mm. as i was watching it halfway through i was like this is easily the probably the best of the cg movies um you know it's certainly in the top two of them <laughs> so mm. so yeah we're still having fun as we approach the ending just yeah it was just breezing through and i would have liked for it to take its time a little bit more when you talk about the runtime as well it's made me think you know um just could we have swapped the runtime around from this in Infinite Darkness, which did nothing for most of it, its runtime, which is just utter <laughs> yeah. stupid, which yeah. was at least two hours long, I, I believe, because uh, it's like four episodes of 25 minutes apiece or whatever. Mm. Uh, yeah, this could have, you're absolutely right in that case. Like, it seems odd that that got more time and this did not nearly get enough like i can absolutely take that criticism um let's let's sort of move towards the sort of final act then i guess as we see dylan's backstory unfold um and essentially and how he was forced to kill his friend and teammate which went very wrong very quickly uh both of them grabbing for different guns that may may not have been empty dylan gets shot in the leg um and then suddenly he has to beat his partner in order to survive and get evac'd from raccoon city has to beat his partner to death with I don't know what that was, a filing cabinet drawer or something big and heavy and metal and uh, all that stuff. Um, And his grand scheme of using little bio drones with an adapted T-virus in it to inject, uh, well, just the population, send them out across the world and wipe the slate clean, as most Resident Evil villains tend to do. Uh, We'll obviously talk more about him as a character, but I suppose it was just important to give that set up for this point in the story where everyone gets infected um, and then they work through it and they battle him. So I guess that's our sort of third act to talk about. Actually, Kelsey, let's start with you. How did you feel about uh, the concluding chapter of this 19-minute movie? Yeah, like, the, I suppose Dylan's fate, I wasn't crazy of. This idea of, um, like, his plan, sorry, that he, of releasing the drones. It's like, yeah, a little bit contrived, but I didn't hate it. And I thought, you know, this is could be quite devastating you know releasing because what's going to stop these little drones you don't see them coming i thought Mm. the way that they were depicted in the movie was quite good where you know people were basically going down and 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 dropping but they weren't being bitten and it was like oh okay little mosquito drones and stuff it's you know it's kind of sci-fi ridiculousness but or, or maybe not but it's it was kind of cool um but there was he was kind of um, I didn't really get his thing with the Russian roulette stuff that he was doing. And he started to, <laughs> yeah, lose yeah. it a bit in a way that uh, uh, made me be less kind of empathetic towards him because those fla- that flashback stuff was really good. And it was like, yeah, I feel for this guy. He kind of has a point. And when he did his big, you know, speech where he was saying how, 
you know, they all think that they're doing good when really they're just as bad, like working. They're serving corporations work. that, yeah. yeah. They yeah. Go, I was like, yeah, he's right. You know, he's right, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, he, was, he was calling them out. So I enjoyed that. But then again, it was rushing through and I didn't like, he, he just did the same thing that so many of them do where he's just like, what did he do he basically shot himself and infused himself with a bow it's like why do this like this is what everyone does all the time they inject themselves and yeah it just it's i've seen it all before so it got into kind of familiar territory which which i didn't really enjoy um the stuff with is it maria have i got her name right yes although like the fight I thought was kind of fun to watch with Leon. Um, again, I just felt it was maybe, and she had a reason to be there, to be fair. You know, again, they tried to, I like that they did try to interweave this with the wider universe. And, you know, mm-hmm. she wasn't just some random character. So that was fine. But yeah, it was kind of just over and done with really quickly. Uh, I don't know. I just would have liked to see more. I don't even know if she had any dialogue in the film. <laughs> I can't even I think she said remember. two or three lines. Two she definitely lines. said a couple of things, but it wasn't much. Yeah, yeah. So it. I could feel it rushing towards the ending. Um, I thought the set piece, you know, with them all with the weapons, okay, was mostly awesome. But did anybody catch the bit where I think Chris... A kicks a case to Jill who's firing at the monster with a machine gun and she opens the case and then starts firing at it with a shotgun from a distance and I'm not usually one of these people that's like I question that you wouldn't uh, like you know I I don't say oh you wouldn't use that gun for that situation but it it was just completely wrong and it really it made me (laughs) laugh out loud I was like a shotgun is not a ranged weapon what are you doing this doesn't help you so I thought Mm. that was kind of silly um but Chris with the you know classic rocket launcher looked awesome um bringing in the you know the Resident Evil 3 style plasma rifle it was yeah there was loads happening which I did really enjoy I just felt that Dylan's stuff was wasted like it was fun seeing all the heroes do the stuff that they did um, and I liked his little drone plan thing. But yeah, I was just kind of a bit sort of, oh, okay, same old thing. It's another villain wasted, another villain yeah. killed off. And yeah, a bit of a shame, really. So yeah, not too much else to say. It was just, it, it got there too quickly. I would have loved to have seen more uh, with some of these characters. Yeah, it's uh, absolutely, this, the, the last part of the film for me is like a complete... There's, <laughs> Stuff about it I loved, and the stuff about it I was just like, this is so stupid. Like, yeah. eye candy-wise, it's great, um, yes. as you say. And the final fight was just a joyful little Resident Evil romp of nonsense where Leon crashes, like, two or three different vehicles during one boss fight. I was like, <laughs> you know what you're doing there. You know, and everyone gets sort of a classic weapon that they've used before and stuff like that. It was like, that was really neat and really clever, and it follows on from a bunch of the references. Um, but yes, there was a load of stuff. It's like, this is just nonsense now. Like, Dylan goes from basically having the best idea, essentially, with these drones and stuff. He can't, as you say, they're indetectable. He almost can't be stopped. And yet he drags them all here for him, for them to stop him. Like, there's no reason for him to do this except to show off. And then they, yeah. they, he infects them and they all sort of approach him. One of them said, I think it might be Jill, says to him, you know, Rebecca got us the cure. We're all okay now. And he's like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. It's like, okay, why did you do yes. that? And then he just say, dumbass. <laughs> and then he just, he just kills himself. And you're like, <laughs> it was really weird. But yeah. like, 
at least before that though, like I got a genuine laugh out loud moment from Dylan calling out Chris and all of his dead teammates. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. It's like because we all make fun of all the people that Chris has indirectly, you know, gotten killed and all the teams that he's burned through over the years. But the fact that again they knowingly made that reference just was like that's for me. That is, I appreciate stuff like that. <laughs> and again, as you say, like them calling out the corporations and stuff, I thought was particularly funny. Um, particularly that they said about Leon and the, the government. Um, I know now's not the time, but Dylan sort of going on about the DSO. Uh, I feel like Chris and Claire would have piped up and be like, he's right, you know, by the way. Because <laughs> they both have gone like, oh yeah, the US government, they might be the biggest villain in the series. <laughs> but I guess we don't have time to address that in the middle of a CGI movie. So I thought that was particularly funny. Um, yeah, there's loads of little bits to talk about in the in the in the finale, but uh, James, you just interjected, so I'm going to let you go. How did you feel about the final sort of parts of Death Island? So I consider the part where he starts his dumb dialogue monologue, like as the beginning of the end game, and it was that <laughs> monologue that completely took me out of the film. Like he was sat standing there talking for like six minutes. I also want to point out, sorry, just to interrupt, but like the scene we saw earlier where the random just people in the prison get infected and then immediately get back up. Yeah, he's talking for like six minutes and just the McCall cast of just the plot armor is just doing them a solid, I guess. Because yeah, they're just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> for like 20 minutes. I, oh, yep. It was so infuriating. Because, the most infuriating thing about it, you know, was because, and I waited till now to say this, because at the beginning of the movie, Jill makes it quite clear that she is all guns blazing. Like, she is not right. going to let this happen again. Like, she's been through too much. She's basically in her emo phase. Like, she is going to go <laughs> off at anyone, like, who tries to do this again. Like, who tries to settle their own score. She will settle her score. Like, this is her dark arc. She stands there for over six minutes listening to this guy. Like, <laughs> without, a, without a gun pointed at her. Like, there's a girl over there, Right? But there's no gun pointed at her. Dylan's sitting there on a banister just with his elbow on the freaking banister. We know Jill is a crack shot. She's got a... I really dislike that. Never mind, like, Resident Evil. I dislike that kind of stuff in anything. Because it's like... Now it's now it's too exposition. Like, you're doing this purely for the exposition, right? And I was actually... Same as you, Kells, right? I was actually kind of feeling towards Dylan before this moment, yeah. right? Yeah. And as soon as he went on his stupid little diatribe about, oh, it, I can't even remember. He, he spoke for six minutes and I can't remember a single word, right? Because it- Wipe the slate <laughs> clean was his big thing, wasn't it? Yeah. And it's like, oh, just <laughs> yeah. shut up. Jill, shoot him. I, as I was watching this, I was Jill, just shoot him. Shoot him, right? Why are you not shooting him? Yeah, and I, like again on my notes, you know, when she when he says, "I expected she would about Rebecca coming." No, you didn't. You didn't expect that was going to happen. And the Russian roulette <laughs> thing, right? Like, I, hang on, let's, this guy's been playing Russian roulette the entire time throughout this entire film, potentially dying because he has survivor's guilt, right? But then he makes out it was all part of his plan, and then he injects himself. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. 
There's so many things like that at this point in the film. Like, the drones are overloading the beast with the virus. It's, that's funny because he seemed fine when it was ingesting him. Dylan's body was full of it because he injected himself before he chucked himself in. And it was fine before. So why now is it doing like Just stuff like that. It's just like, what? It was, but, you know. Yeah, it, w- it was not well thought out and it was really silly. And again, like... I was in the film at that point. It had like, you know, negatives. But as soon as that happened, I was completely taken out. Um, I could not get... Like, I want to speak prior before that, because before that, I was actually making constructive points in my notes, right? I This mm. is the first time... Is this the first time? Like, everybody's been infected now in the series, right? The main lines? Everybody technically now has been infected by something? I think... Uh, I think so, yeah. I can't... Uh... We never re- have we ever had anything specific about Chris because I know we've had everyone else had to get some kind of vaccine or whatever, but I can't think of the example where Chris was infected with something. But I'm sure at this point he must have been. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, I guess. I, I mean, on screen, I, I thought, oh, so so we we Jill's been infected. We know Jill's been infected. Claire's been infected. You know, um, Rebecca, right? But mm-hmm. like, yeah, the like Leon and Chris. When I had a look. Leon got the Plagueis. Oh, he, he did. So, yeah. So it was yeah. only Chris then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that I can think of. But yeah, but yeah, and then like we kind of get into the, like the final act, which is him turning his, his the the thing he turns into was dope. Like uh, mm. it was really gross and cool, right? And I, I liked it um, because it you know as usual Resident Evil they try and the final monsters are always so grotesque, but you want to recognize some things like. You know, yeah. uh, I <laughs> I know, like, some people might think it was silly, but the elephant feet he has, like, I, yeah. it was silly, but I really liked it. Like, it was threatening, mm-hmm. and, like, it was, yeah, but that, I think, other than <clears throat> maybe the Ouroboros was probably the most, oh, and Resi 7, was probably the most chaotic we've ever seen, like, a transformation like, and it was super cool to see. Um, I want to bring at least one positive in it. Because the action scenes, when it... Like you were saying, I think, Sai, you were saying earlier, Ron Enkels, I think. The action scenes got to this point where there was so much happening and they were going so fast. Uh, I couldn't keep up. I couldn't keep up with what was, what was happening. CGI in this 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 film is really good. Um, and we'll talk about more about that later. But yeah, they were they were doing the shaky cam thing a little bit too much. And I, cu- right. I couldn't keep up with the, the actions that were being done. I know that things happened. One, You know, I would see a blur and then one person would be down. Another person would be standing up or they'd both be down. And yeah, it was... Yeah, there were, there were some cuts that were also weird. Like when, um, you know, clear fan service, but I loved it. When Jill picks up the, the, the plasma rifle, you know, and it, then the, but then there's a sudden cut immediately after the shot. Um, so you don't actually get to see <laughs> the conclusion of her blowing this thing apart. You just get to see the cut, and then there's the hole. I wanted to see the whole scene of you blowing a hole into <laughs> this thing. I didn't want to see any cuts, but they were just, you know, they were like Liam Neeson and whatever that movie was. Where I, I remember there was a there was a criticism of that taken right where it took nine takes for him but like nine cuts nine frames for him to jump over a fence oh yeah right i remember that so clearly <laughs> and while i was watching this that's what it felt like every scene was just like they were doing way too many frames way too many things like cuts like during that scene and it was ridiculous um yeah unfortunately overall story it was really good at the beginning 
Like, and it had me in the middle, but that monologue just completely took me out. And then it just got really silly. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. In terms of the plasma rifle, I have to say that, like, the, I'm going to just, again, caveat this, but I actually really like the way the end of this film ends. I had a really good time with the final fight, but there's loads of stuff that I'm like, this is nonsense. Like, yeah. There's an un- the underground of this prison because it used to be a military base and it has a big rail gun in it, apparently. It's like, <laughs> when was this a military base? Like a week ago? What are we talking about here? It's like futuristic sci-fi weapons. And it's essentially the finger from Remake 3, which, I don't know, like the Chicago typewriter and stuff like that is okay. This felt a little bit lazy to me. We're just doing this again. And it might just be because in the instance of Jill, not only is she just wearing the same thing, which we'll get to when we talk to characters, <laughs> but we've only just seen her in Remake 3 and you're just doing the same thing again it's like come on have i do a crazy flipping kick thing or something from re5 or something like that it was just a little bit like oh yeah yeah we just saw this a couple of years ago but cool thanks i guess um and the fact that she's like oh no and it has to recharge it's like well you know you've done this before like you know that's how it works regardless i'm really happy that they actually made jill at this point especially like she's the main character of the whole thing um, and I'm really glad yeah. that she gets to have all like that, the final sort of blows in it. And it does sort of like come to a point where it's, you know, I'm taunting the villain, but it's a lesson that I need to learn myself. That old chestnut uh, was really important for me that they did that. But Steve, how did you find the end of Death Island? Uh, messy. I think we've already touched on how messy it is. But yeah, Dylan starts with like an interesting monologue talking about how the the corporation's doing this, that, and the other. And then just faintly, I can hear a ring in the ears. It's like, you know, James Marcus saying, you know, and and the world will burn and an inferno have wiped the slate clean. It's it's a shame. Uh, I'm going to just like throw out the the, the BSAA probably have like, you know, some uh, convenient Deus Ex Machina vaccine booster. And that's why the uh, the protagonist lasted a little bit longer. Uh, But no. Of course. The second we get to the final battle, uh, my, my heart sank because Dylan pick, you know, puts down his revolver and picks up the injector gun like, oh, we know where this is going. You're going to become a giant beastie and then they're going to beat you and that's it. Uh, but I was actually more disappointed about the fact that the action's just all over the place. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like someone storyboarded some cool ideas and not actually thought how these are going to go together because, you know, they just randomly have weapons, they randomly do things. Uh, and then Leon and Chris pick up a rocket launcher and rather than fire at the BC, they, they shoot a gate. They spend three <laughs> minutes getting a rocket launcher together, shoot a gate. Uh, Jill blows up the beast with a grenade while she's in said water, so it should technically jib her since she's like in the same blast radius. That drew me out of it. Rebecca <laughs> and Claire's moment there was cool. I, I, I love yes. their like, what are you doing? And then high five at the end, like, yeah, you, you guys need more screen time together because you've kind yeah, of been yep. sidelined the whole film, which is a shame. I, I, it... <laughs> The only thing about the monster that I noticed was it's it, his tail's whipping or he's sighing at them. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's just doing, not not sighs in our podcast house, as in the actual the, the term sigh. Uh, it's just gasping for air at them. Um, I did appreciate the the visual tone thing it was going for because it's got a wrecked, malformed leg and it got the giant stamping hoof to kind of emblemize like Dylan's cane. At least that's what I think they were going for, really. Mm. Dylan's cane and busted leg represented in this monster. But it was just a blob thing that they then find a, a gun that I'm thinking was probably one of the whole, like, their tech-based stuff. Because, I mean, they've got all of Arius's and the liquor bio-drone, bio-drones and things underneath already. It's probably... They brought it in, if I'm honest. Yeah. I feel they had yeah. it. Um, but, yeah, 
the rocket launchers appear. Jill gets a random shotgun. I, it, it drew me out, you know. And Rebecca, bless her, she gets like a small little vignette of her arrival. The shark thing before it becomes the final boss takes out an entire SWAT team in one take, and half of them just disappear into the ocean. You don't see what happens <laughs> to them. Mm. You know, she's just fallen over on a pontoon, and then she's in the you know the sewers of everyone meets up. I, I enjoy it as dumb visual shots, but as an actual mm. quote unquote battle, I felt like it was very bad continuity. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that Jill got a final shot and the final word on the beast. I actually kind of liked the you know the Chuckle Brothers rocket lodge a bit, but yes, Steve, <laughs> you yes. know it all boils down to that like final shot where we're on the stairs and like oh that's nice, you know they just need a shawarma joke and then it would have been perfect. No, what they needed was Barry in the helicopter. Yeah, that, that, that works. Uh, it, uh, yeah. that, that's the, that's going to be my weird takeaway because I don't want, I don't want to cinema sins this film to death, and I did enjoy my time with it enough to watch it three times mm. in preparation for the pod. You know, mm. like not back to back. I'm not completely crazy, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the the ending really dropped the ball for me. And the, the, the second Dylan goes, all the world will burn in Inferno of Blake. It's yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and Leon did a Mortal Kombat fight. That was that was all right, I guess. Yeah, he did. Literally yeah, did, he did a fatality sort of. Yeah. I feel like if they wanted to put him in Mortal Kombat, he's got enough moves now. Let's put it that way. I'm down. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. We will obviously, there's a lot to get into still in terms of character stuff and that. Um, but first we'll talk about visuals because I want to talk about the way that the film looks and the animation and stuff. But actually, before we talk about that, uh, let's talk about Magic Mind. James, in fact, I want you to tell me about Magic Mind. Oh, whoops. There we go. Yeah, I'll tell you about Magic Mind. So I, as soon as I unmute my mic and then I'll tell you. So, uh, yeah, Magic Mind uh, have been very nice recently, and uh, they have given us a sample um, to use of theirs. Uh, They're basically like energy shot drinks, like the ones I had, and you have them with your morning coffee. You have one in in the morning with your coffee, Um, and they basically boost, like, your... Like your mind in a way, not like a, you know, not like a magic potion or anything, but like it actually kind of boosts kind of my, my, uh, my productivity. And during the week that the, the couple of weeks that I actually sampled magic mind, I was doing a pretty big project. Um, and I was really focused. Um, Sai, I think I was talking to you about it, um, during mm-hmm. the time and, um, and a, you know, a couple other folks in here as well. And I was completely zoned in um on on getting this done which is unlike me because i'm always procrastinating and i'm always going onto my social media or going onto youtube to look up you know various things uh or looking up very easy to do yeah or looking up like reviews for resident evil death island um but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i uh yeah i had a i had a great time with it i i had one thing that i wanted to mention and that was like i tend to get quite quite hyper focused uh, when it comes to things i love doing um, and that can be detrimental to me. But uh, when I was on the, the Magic Mind energy shots, um, I actually felt focused instead of hyper-focused, which uh, is very good because it means I actually had my wits about me and I could actually uh, you know, know when to stop um, and know when to take a break and carry on again. And uh, yeah, so if you want to try out Mag- Magic Mind, um, you can go to magicmind.com forward slash first aid. That's F-I-R-S-T. A-I-D, uh, and you will get 56% 
off your subscription for the next 10 days with our code first aid. However, you do also get a, dis- a discount forever that would be slightly lower. Um, but yeah, it will, if you go onto the site, if you go for the subscription system, not the one-time only system, then you will get your 56% off and you also get an additional discount on top of that as well because you'll be going into the subscription base. Um, so yeah, check out uh, Magic Mind um, if you want to have a more focused mind because I definitely did. Fantastic. Thank you, Magic Mind. Uh, let's talk about visuals. Let's talk about the way this film looks. Uh, because I can't make my mind up about it because some of it looked good and I thought the pre- I don't know if it was just me I've not heard anyone else talk about this I felt like the prison zombie scene was just like really poorly animated it just seemed really <laughs> goofy in places Kelsey please tell me if it's just me no sorry it's not just you <laughs> okay um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, okay I'm going to say a couple of nice things first the opening title sequence, I thought that was really good. You know, where it showed, where it was all cut together a bit like a music video showing clips from the game and the films and their mug shots and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to say that's like after that opening sequence and then to get that title sequence, I was like, yes, this is really good. <laughs> like, I'm so hyped. And then like for the movie itself, like, cinema- cinematography wise, broadly good um james you mentioned the shaky camera stuff which did get overused the idea is that they want this to feel like it was really shot there's no crazy camera moves that can't be done with a real rig so that's good and it helps the film feel grounded and real um i thought so i thought that was a decent approach and although a lot of it is kind of this flat brightish lit color palette where nothing really changes apart from the couple of scenes where they cranked in some atmosphere which is like jill's intro and in the sewers i guess or i say sewers they're not sewers underground whatever it is underneath alcatraz so that was quite nice um and then oh there was also that scene with jill i'm sorry not jill with claire and chris and antonio with the zombie and the little shootout and fight they had i thought that had some nice atmosphere yeah but then I think the CG itself, it just suffers from the same issues it always has, which is the overall render and character models and detail most of the time look really nice with lots of great detail and stuff. However, there are background characters and supporting characters that look kind of straight out of a PlayStation 3 cutscene. And I think... (laughs) I mean, there's that YouTuber guy. I don't know if everybody can remember him. Like, yeah, yeah he just kind of looked unfinished. And it's the same with some of the zombies that you mentioned. So the, yeah, so generally the render looks good for the key characters, but the background stuff and the supporting stuff, not as good. And then the animation, just kind of same sort of thing in the background and some of the supporting and some of the fighting as well. It verges into incredibly kind of wonky territory. And Although it's most of it is obviously mo-capped, there's just times when loads of weird moments are happening with like arms moving in an odd way. Like you often see it when like a gun is getting reloaded or held strangely. You know, it's just yeah, it's missing that kind of that bit of polish which comes really with just kind of like a lack of time and budget. And I think this is the yeah, it's just the uncanny valley stuff which no matter how good the key characters look, it's just still going to be there. And unless you spend a lot of time and money on this animation, it's never, ever going to look perfect. And, you know, you know, I can 
I said it before, I can absolutely turn my mind off to that stuff. It's just like comes with the territory with these films. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, you know, it's it's spoiled the film for me because some of the animation looks weird. I can still have a lot of fun with it. But yeah, the CG route, just again, it's not the best option for me. I think it can sometimes look a bit soulless and I just really, really wish they do something different. At, at the end of our Infinite Darkness episode, we said, or, or I said, or somebody said, I think it was like, we want to go the 2D route now. Like we, we'd love to see a 2D animated Resident Evil series because, yeah, I just think CG is a quick and dirty way to do it these days. And yeah, it shows. So sometimes it looks really nice. Sometimes it looks genuinely bad. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's not just you. Okay, good. It definitely had peaks and valleys for me. You absolutely nailed my sort of like weirdly one of my favorite parts immediately, which is that intro. I thought the intro was really cool. You should say like cool use of uh, CGI films and game clips. And I know that's not really a fair thing to say because it's not really part of the film. (laughs) But it was really cool to see all those little bits together. I was like, oh, cool. I wasn't expecting clips from this and that. You know, it was a little awesome. Well, it just, it just, it just, you know, it connects it the same way that the opening scene does. It's like, oh, yes, this actually feels like this is taking place in the world that I love. And it's acknowledging the stuff that these characters have been through rather than creating something new that's you know not necessarily going to be a bad thing. But yeah, it's uh, it tapped into what I enjoyed straight away. So that's why that title sequence was effective, I think. Yeah, and that being said, well, it did that well. I was a little bit confused why Jill didn't get a BSAA card and she had a Stars card. But like, whatever, fine, we have to acknowledge Stars somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And Terra, apparently TerraSafe don't get any business cards as well because uh, weirdly Claire had some Panamstam journalist card or something. I was like, okay, yeah, sure, I guess. But whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, just very peaks and troughs for me, uh, generally speaking. I think you largely covered it. Steve, how did you feel about the way the film sort of looks? A damn sight more positive than Vendetta. Like, uh, I I wasn't a big fan of Vendetta's burst fire, John Wick aping tomfoolery. This felt a lot more slower paced. Although we do have, like, you know, extremely acrobatic zombies. Like, Alka T, as I am calling it, after Alcatraz, and and I am very clever, um, (laughs) like, seems to make the zombies very, very, very fast. And uh, I'm not a big fan of fast zombies in general, but for, for the gimmick of the movie, it was okay. I I didn't appreciate the fact that some of the the action, like everyone else said, could have been a bit blurry, could have been a bit messy, strange posing. But compared to what has come before, I actually felt it was at least readable, like ridiculous but readable. Uh, yeah. I, I and I think that makes sense, right? Uh, again, the character models. If you want a protagonist or a main villain, you're gonna get like you know bargain basement background filler. I'm afraid you may even just be wearing the same grey trousers between you all, except for not Markiplier. Uh, rest in peace, you absolute <laughs> chundering f word. Uh, yeah, no, that was that bit was probably the most painful bit for me. Not to go into back of the story, but that that whole like trying to make a YouTube influencer moment. Ugh. Um, yeah, it made me laugh. So you know, well, it's fine. You know, different strokes for different folks. That's right. all I'll say there. But uh, yeah, no, I I feel like generally speaking, it was okay. Uh, I've already voiced my piece about the final weapon BOW just basically being like, you know, yawning at them or slithering yeah. its tail at them. But the lickers, for example, I thought were fantastically animated, although they don't get much screen mm-hmm. time, tragically. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. The, the fist fight between Maria and Leon, again, fantastically animated. The, the bike yeah. chase, I feel like, is underrated because that felt like that, that could have been in a Matrix movie. 
the, the, the main central zombie shootout is probably the wobbliest bit, realistically. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, it's a really good point about the bike scene. It is, it is pretty good, actually, genuinely. Mm. Yeah, uh, character models, again, to reiterate the point, it's a shame that most of them are a Greatest Hits album. Like, you know, Jill's wearing her RE3R outfit. Claire's wearing the same outfit she wore that fateful day in either Panamstan or RE2 Remake, depending on how you're feeling. Leon seems to be wearing a knockoff version of his RE4 unlockable, uh, one of his hero outfits or whatever. And Chris is still in the same gear he wore in RE5 in Vendetta. So <laughs> that's a shame. Although I think Rebecca's got an updated outfit, hasn't she? It's like, you know, she's got a, a green shirt and now a black vest as opposed yeah. to a white vest. Yes. And a mm. uh, a, a, a bouff, bouffant uh, like thing to her hair. It's a lot more floaty than it used to be. Definitely <laughs> a redid her model. Whereas I think Chris's is just visibly aged. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah. Other than that, it's okay. Although the fact that the film's set in a prison has made the locations a little bit well legible, a little bit basic. You know, prison cells, underwater yeah. dock, the sewer of destiny. It's. Uh, the most stunning <laughs> shot visually probably was on the boat or on the beach. Or, well, I say the beach, looking out onto the water. Onto the island, yeah, with yeah. the shadow of the creature underneath. Yeah, that, that may well be the best single shot of the film, to be fair. Mm. Uh, yeah, James, how did you feel about the way the film looked? I mean, you talked about it a little bit, sort of being unreadable and stuff like that, a bit uh, jump-cutty, but mm. any other points on the way the film looks? Yeah, I thought, overall, the film, this is the best one we've seen, you know, um, mm. out of all of the CGI movies... Um, there was some inks in like there was some inconsistencies with um, the mouths sometime and the expressions on the faces. Like there would be yep. there would be times when has someone else mentioned this? No, no but I definitely no, saw it. Okay, um, <laughs> but yeah, like there were some really weird moments where expressions like would not really work for the scene. I I can't explain it really, but it they didn't really match. And yeah, the dubbing. The mouth flaps, as they were, didn't match what was going on. Um, I tend to notice them a lot um, when I watch, um, and uh, yeah, because I, I, you know, I'm an I'm an eyes person and a mouth person. I want to see, you know, what their what their expression is, and yeah, I was noticing that whole bunch. Uh, but yeah, like forgetting what I previously said, we're well, not forgetting it, but like taking away like the things about the fast action and stuff. Yeah, I really liked what I was looking at, especially. Um, I mean, there was an Uncanny Valley thing to it, but right at the beginning, again, we'll go right to the beginning, we have that scene where they're in the truck, um, and those two folks were just, you know, talking to, well, you, well Dylan and, uh, I've forgotten his name, his friend. JJ. Um, you know, they were having their... Dis- JJ. JJ, yeah. <clears throat> they were having their discussion, um, and then their boss chimed in. I got an Uncanny Canny Valley thing from that scene, but I also liked it. A lot, and the same when they, you know, when they um, were in Raccoon City and afterwards. Um, yeah, uh, mm, mm. I, yeah, I, 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 it's, I don't think there's much more to add because, like, when it comes, to, everyone said like such good points. Like the visuals are just very good, and I really enjoyed what I was looking at. They just need to slow it down. And now, reading the file, Giovanni's will from Resident Evil Seven Biohazard. Master Doctor N7, who you can find on Linktree at Master Doctor N7. It's too late for us, but at least I can let the world know what happened here. I was a night shift yesterday, so I was taking a nap in the bunk room around noon. I was half asleep, 
and I heard a kid, a little girl, laughing. Or was it all in my head? I woke up in 1930. There was some sort of ruckus in the passageway. Drew, one of the engineers, came in and said there was something going on down below. Maybe a riot. He looked pale in the face. He told me he was going down to check it out, but never came back. It must have been around 1950. I heard the scream. I went down to the laundry room to check and saw Clark being eaten by some sort of blackish monster. The monster turned and started coming towards me. Huge, shark-like teeth snapping in its jaw. I just screamed like a little girl and ran for it. Now I'm huddled up in the bunk room, shaking as I write this. There's a whole host of those creatures lurking in the passageways now. I can still hear screams now and then, but there's no way I'm going out there now. And that's it. I've written everything I know. Giovanni Finetti. Okay, cool. Uh, you guys also talked a little bit about the BOWs along the way, but we'll just take a little bit of time if anyone has any points that they haven't raised already. Um, I guess, mm, how do we feel about the selection of monsters in this film? Which I didn't realise until afterwards when someone asked, is really just like three and a half things. Zombies, yeah. you've, got, you've got your aqua liquors, uh, you've got unnamed neptune sibling shark whatever we don't really get a good look at it so i don't really know uh which then also becomes the dylan monster because it ingests him because that's uh how science works um i yeah i thought that, as i said before i thought the water liquors looked really cool and you guys have said you know quite rightfully their animation was really really good and the way you used their tongues really good i talked about that i did think that the giant shark was there was a lot of built it was there were several things we'll get there several things that they really built up to that went nowhere um and there was plenty of foreshadowing for this big shark bow like the whale with a bite taken out of it and you see its silhouette under the water as i just said but ultimately it feels a bit wasted because it immediately just becomes the dylan monster but the, the Dylan monster, it was cool. I liked his goofy little monster face. I thought that was yes. kind of cool. And Steve, you're right about the legs as well. Uh, it was just a really interesting shape. Um, for, there's a lot of big blob monsters in Resident Evil sort of things, big hulking brutes, uh, and they can blur together. So I can absolutely understand if people feel like that's the case here. But I don't know, there's something about this that's quite uh, memorable to me. It, it separates itself just enough to sort of stand out in my mind. I can very easily picture it. Uh, broadly speaking so whilst there wasn't a lot of monsters i guess because of the pacing it would have been a little bit weird if they tried to shove any more in but i was i was mostly happy with that other than uh, we probably didn't get enough shark shark boy um james how do you feel about the bows <laughs> yeah there weren't many of them was there now yeah um yeah so <laughs> So Yellow's just like brought up a really good point in chat, which was about uh, there's a shot actually where you see the BOW, the shark in. It's a sidelong shot of the ship as it's going towards the island, and mm. you see the shark shadow going underneath the ship, um, and then going out. But it looks completely burned in. It looks like somebody's just got a shadow, an animated shadow, and just put it in... Tracked it left to right. <laughs> yeah. And just yeah. Like, put a, like the opacity right down. You know, it looked really bad. Um, you know, but <laughs> I wasn't super hyped about the B.O.W. shark. I don't know why. Um, yeah. 
I, I wanted to, I think I want, I love sharks. Just for those that don't know, I, I love sharks. I, I want to go swim with sharks one day. It's one of my dreams. Um, but like, yeah, I wasn't that excited about it because not much was really said about it. I think the last time we see it really, other than when it does its, uh, X transform is, um, when, uh, is with Rebecca, the Rebecca fight, right? When she first comes onto the island, yeah, and the whole yes. squad gets absolutely decimated. Um, yeah, and yeah, I <laughs> like that was the that was the first, and we didn't get to see it much of it there. Actually, it was in a lot of shadow. I really would would have loved to see more of it. Um, the zombies didn't fit in the film. I don't know what it is about the CGI movies, but they always want to make their zombies really fast, right? And I yeah. know this was like. I know, like, this is a different kind... Of, you could always explain this, right? It's a different kind of virus, but... The zombies we're used to are slow, methodical, and they're resilient, you know? And these zombies weren't. <laughs> you know, they were... They were bang, bang, dead, bang, bang, dead. Rah, I'm gonna run at you. Uh, very fragile, fast, and they didn't feel like they fit... Um, into into this, mm. this adventure because of that. Um, yeah, I wanted to see more of the little mosquito boys... The drones, um, yeah, true. I think I think true. I only got like two scenes with them, and it was a very fleeting. Um, but yeah, I wanted to see. I wanted to see. <laughs> I wanted to see a little tiny. You know, it, what what virus was this called again? What do you call it? It doesn't have what well, on name. So. They just said I mean, it was the Alka T, virus, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Alka, we're calling it Alka T now. That's first day's break cannon. Alka so. T or the D virus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. I think they literally said it's the T virus, and oh. just like what, it, how? Yeah, it's a strain like of the T virus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, I, w- I just would have loved to see like a, a like a yeah a, a mosquito Which, version that had been transformed by the T virus. It would have been cool. Come to think of it, isn't it technically a strain of the A virus? Because they say that he got it from Glenarius, but never mind. <laughs> whatever. Emphasis <laughs> on the A in Alka T. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh but yeah it was, and the, the the star of the show was the liquors for sure i agree with everybody yeah. like they were very cool and do you know what's funny is that we i think like i think during the first trailer where we saw them we were very hype about those i, I think some of i think actually i think half of us were like oh i'm not sure and then uh, like you know the other half were like oh they look cool like liquors in the water that's terrifying yeah. you know and they they kind of were um though i did want to see more of them but i mean things you love you want to you want to see more of right um but yeah I, and i really like, i've already mentioned i really liked the the end boss as well i thought his look was cool he looked like an end boss of a resident evil game i didn't like yeah. how he was dealt with um but yeah towards the end i can barely remember anything other than leon and chris's one-liners as he was crashing into everything around him at that point <laughs> uh yeah so yeah there's my my points cool um steve how do you feel about the bows any more points to make i as much as i think liquors are overplayed at this point i like that they gave those two variants essentially in the film there was the ones that fought leon and jill in the sewer mm-hmm. and then there was a kind that was basically a breeding ground at first i thought oh my god have we got alvanoids yeah. but no they are just another variant of liquor <laughs> with no limbs attached but they're like mm. biological incubators and i feel like while it's probably not a reference, it kind of reminded me of the uh, remakes lab in the tanks that are just in that lab filled with weird flesh globules. Uh, yes. Very grim, sciencey stuff. That stuff was kind of neat. Like, you know, the little the little mosquito biodrones is also a, a novel concept. The idea of the virus being able to pick its target and it won't cross the infection, they'll just murder people, I thought mm. was interesting, you know. And 
the it's not it's not everyone's favorite podcast host. You know, it's not F I F I O three Neptune. I believe that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, but it, it, as a scary Jaws monster, it had like one cool scene, and then it got relegated to basically be on like you know an install buff for Dylan, so they can become a giant monster beast. <laughs> which I personally thought, well, while novel in the way it's it shaped and calling back to Dylan himself, was also kind of a bit dull. I I just saw a flesh thing with a face that yawned. Um, yeah, I, I don't see the appeal, but yeah, liquor's cool. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I, I, I was left a little bit lacking for the the cool BOW department. We we haven't really got anything akin to the tyrant fight from uh, not, not G generation. Oh, damnation! Damnation had the big tyrant fight. I still think that's like the best BOWs on on screen. Sorry. Yeah, I I, uh, I forgot to mention something actually. Just something real quick that annoyed me, and this was about the BOW actually. So we're skipping. Uh, sorry, the visuals and the story actually. Um, are we just going to ignore the fact that, like, it was mentioned the entire perimeter of Alcatraz was like a marine sanctuary, and it was infected, and at the end, everybody just walks away. <laughs> like, yes, clearly. the doors closed in Alcatraz. That means everything's fine, guys. Everybody can go home. You can, you can go back into the, the marine sanctuary to swim. Anyway, that's the only that's it. I'm going to go home. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, there are a lot of things like that where it's like, oh, Dylan's technology for the biodrones, that's definitely not going to, you know, it doesn't have the ability to fall <laughs> in anyone else's hands. Uh, all these weird incubator monsters, as Steve just pointed out, like that virus uh, and the biodrones are just ridiculously OP. But yeah, we'll absolutely never go back to it. So don't worry about it, I guess. Um, Kelsey, how do you feel about the uh, the creatures? Uh, so Dylan's giant blobfish thing, like, yeah, like Steve, <laughs> it's just kind of less interesting to me. Though I do agree his face is kind of terrifying because he has like the skull, like human teeth in there yeah. like sort of you know tucked away behind the big sort of fleshy bit so that was kind of cool and i did enjoy his lumbering movement uh but because there you i think you said your favorite shot was know, the wide shot of alcatraz my favorite shot in this film is there's a jurassic park reference where he's lumbering and jill's oh, hand yeah. and a flare lights into frame and she just goes and goes hey ugly and then it's the whole distracting the t-rex thing and i loved that section and yeah that shot is awesome where the flare comes into shot it because he's in the background the big monster and then jill's there to save the day so i thought that was really good um yeah fair point but the you know i would have th- there's a lot of um kind of callbacks in this movie and i think for me i would have just loved to see like the classic og tyrant make a reappearance here rather than a big flesh monster i think yeah. with this talk of the t-virus and strain of the t-virus you know i've said before that og tyrant is my favorite would have loved to have seen that thing make a reappearance instead but you know that's not what we got um i have a small bone to pick with how the liquors were introduced um because they were awesome absolutely loved them but for my money, their introduction should have been with, I mean, Leon and Jill are there in this underground bit. And then the tongue comes in and whips through and pulls, uh, I guess it's a zombie or it pulls the other body out of the way, right? That should have been the first time that we saw the liquor or heard the liquor or whatever. But weirdly, we saw them like there was this shot a couple of minutes prior where you just saw a cage getting dumped into the water. And they're all there and they swim out the cage. And then I think unintentionally hilariously so one of them just gets eaten by the big shark thing 
And I was like, mm. and it's all while Dylan's giving one of his silly speeches. And I thought it just kind of undermined the, what could have been an awesome, you know, uh, uh, sort of de- arrival of the liquors. I think the way that the liquor is, uh, de- not debuted, the way it appears in Welcome to Round- Raccoon City is really good, where it walks across the ceiling and all the lights yeah. kind of, you know, get knocked and stuff. They could have done something like that. So that really wound me up while I was watching it. But um, the the liquors themselves, yeah, great design. They do what they do in the games. You know, you stand still, you don't move. They crawl past you. It basically did like the video game, this is my walk path. I walk up here and then I turn around and walk back here. And <laughs> yeah, and obviously with the tongue movement and stuff, it was all kind of creepy, but yeah, I liked it. And yeah, the zombies were kind of lame, I suppose. I mean... Again, they just look, they looked a bit rubbery and maybe had like an over-exaggerated ragdollness to them, which, yeah, isn't awesome. The one underground uh, in the dark room with Antonio and Claire and Chris was quite quite cool. The one with Jill's intro was quite cool. But yeah, the little outbreak bit was just a bit, yeah, a bit too wild for me. They didn't really scare me. They weren't that cool. Um, and I do wonder if kind of slightly connected and maybe we should have touched on this in in story you mentioned the plot armor but does that like not open a can of worms because isn't the theory that all of these characters have some kind of immunity to the virus or something so is that what we're watching here because the film literally had everybody turning in seconds and then our heroes get infected with the virus and they're all sat there just kind of squirming for about 10 minutes so yeah i was just watching it thinking does this confirm that or is it just the film being you know um not very good <laughs> so i'm not sure um i wish i had read this uh, and probably checked it over beforehand but i read something the other day uh which i don't know if it's legit or not but there was certainly some implication that there was a japanese interview with the people behind this film that did confirm in fact yes the jill is not aging anymore because of the virus yeah. um and then they kind of were like and yeah uh, i guess the other female characters too because you know yeah. of course yeah I, uh, I read that same so interview. i guess that re- <laughs> sort of maybe fits into you could argue a way that they didn't turn because yes they've all been infected or whatever yeah, it's, yeah it's but yeah so slightly but... connected but but otherwise yeah bow's there's not a lot of them i i i did love the liquors and end boss guy was just kind of yeah. generic but but yeah fine i suppose not too much else to say all right well let's get into characters then because this is the other big thing to talk about certainly because uh of course it is right this is the first film where we've had a, well it's the first piece of resident media where everyone's come together and more than that also we have jill valentine returning to the series after 14 years of absence <laughs> if you don't include you know random spin-offs and remake three which is a remake so like in terms of in universe time it's, it's sorry yes yeah, 14 years of in universe time has been a lot longer in fact wow. in real life sorry uh but yes regardless point is jill is back everyone's here what do people feel about the characters um steve let's start with you uh how did you feel about the ensemble did you feel like everyone was fairly represented any standout uh positive moments for everyone Honestly, this is the the reason I've rewatched the film a few times. I feel like for all the foibles, and I feel like I've nitpicked this film to death. Just seeing the characters on screen and they're recognisably being what we at least see them as, at least for the most part, is neat. Uh, the interactions with Chris and Jill initially, my first viewing, actually made me very angry because I felt like, how dare you talk down to her and all these things. Like it took me a, a, a second viewing to realise he's just trying to, <laughs> you know, get her to not risk her life and other things like that. And it was kind of like seeing it from that lens, like yeah, Chris is actually 
Chris actually decent in this film, and that led it to seeing everyone else's virtues as well. Uh, I, I can't unsee this film being like the classic RE4 Leon, just a bit more mature though. Like compared to every other version of the CGI films, where it's either a plank of wood or is miserable. It's actually yeah. a nice, refreshing change to have a Leon who's yeah. not miserable. You know, uh, maybe he's just a little bit tired, but he seems to be having a fun and vibing with it. Uh, and obviously, Jill is the standout. Basically, her and Dylan are both suffering with a variant of, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to throw the word around casually, but like a, a form of PTSD over what they've gone through. Like it yeah. feels like, but not not the same trauma, but a trauma is affecting them both, and that's the main thrust of the film. And it's nice to see Jill being a little bit more stressed, but also recognizably still, you know, not a complete jerk with it. They're trying to basically prove themselves, it feels like, or taking maybe a few more risks. That might be why she jumps into the random sewer of, you know, Destiny or whatever. But, yeah, it's it's good to see her back again. Obviously, she's the central focus of the film. Rebecca is sidelined this time, but she still is the deus, deus ex machina to save the day. And, uh, sadly, I feel like while you do see Claire do Claire things, like save people, she's the one who's most willing to get into the back. Out of the, mm -hmm. out of the core five, well, four and Rebecca. No offence, Rebecca, sorry. Uh, yeah, she's the one who gets relegated. Main villain, though, um, had a lot of potential, I feel like. I feel like Dylan, if they had lived, and if they had maybe veered a little bit away from the James Marcusness at the end, could have been a compelling villain to have recurring. I think we already said this earlier. But uh, having someone who's suicidal, but also megalomaniacal, and they have a goal that, at, at least on paper, was a bit more complex than just, and the world will burn in an inferno of hate, uh, would have been cool. But then it's wipe the slate as opposed to like you know mess up the corporations and maybe you know mess up the BSAA and I I can understand if that were their goal to then take out these characters because they are principally star players in various outbreaks that they have obviously studied. If you look at the opening intro, or some kind of like vignette of what he's trying to figure out who to take out to stop him. Admittedly, he just kind of like they show up. Ah, it's time to begin my evil plan, and I will now inject myself. The end, which is a shame. Oh, and yes. the the the, the knockoff Jill Valentine lady from RE5, um, Vendetta Maria. Um, I kind of actually feel like if Jill had had a fight, uh, an actual fight with her, that would have been cool. Almost a yeah. defeat your own demon kind of thing. Uh, otherwise, yeah. she's just kind of there. If she wasn't there, you didn't have to tell me this was a Vendetta sequel. I wouldn't have minded. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, yeah, there's loads of things that I definitely want to get into there, but I'll let some other people speak. But I do... I do want to get into some things about Dylan because I agree. I think actually he he would be an, an amazing villain if his plot didn't just jump off the diving board at the end. And it doesn't help that he's like the seventh one-shot villain that we've had at this, probably more at this point. Um, but the ingredients there, whilst they're all pretty standard, really, they've all been done elsewhere and perhaps better. I do like, you know, he's got a lot of interesting things going on with the Russian roulette gimmick and he's got a cane and he's got this backstory that we've seen unfold, which is genuinely, I think harrowing is quite an extreme word for it, but it is really interesting to watch it unfold. And you do feel for the guys sort of, though it's really well shot from the sort of perspective of JJ as he's getting his head bashed in while uh, Dylan does what he must. I thought it was all really, really good. The only problem is, of course, that like a lot of it just doesn't pay off. Like the Russian roulette thing is almost literally a Chekhov's gun. <laughs> but it doesn't pay off he, he spends the whole movie like threatening to shoot himself in the head and you think okay so at one point he's going to shoot himself in the head and then come back as a monster because he's Resident Evil 
No, he just stops shooting himself in the head and becomes a monster. It's like, so what was the point of the Russian roulette thing? I just is like, it, like uh, the only thing I can think of, and I, I apologise for interrupting, but is it like the bit with the MP5s? Like, because he had an MP5 that was empty, but he thought it was full. Like, that's the only thing I can think of, but they don't really make guess, a big but, deal of it. Oh, yeah, like, the, the backstory for it's fine, but, like, have it go somewhere. Like, have him aim at someone else and go click and say, well, you're, well it looks like you'll save this. Or, or something, or the... Or whatever. Maybe he goes through the entire group when they're all sort of infected by the prison. I know it'd be really obvious, but click, 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 and the one person he shoots is Dr. Taylor, which is what he does. Like, just do something with the Russian roulette. But no, it it seems like an integral in, 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 it seems like an integral part of his character until it's suddenly not anymore. But mm. otherwise, I thought he was a really strong villain. I would have liked to have seen more, despite the fact that there are gigantic flaws there. Um, KDB, how do you feel about the characters? Uh, yeah, Dylan, as I mentioned earlier as well, I thought presented well and was like an interesting enough a perspective and had motivation to latch on to. So I'm with you, like could have been, there was a lot of potential there and could have been used a lot more. And he had all those little gimmicks, which nothing happened with. And, you know, he was doing this, the cane tapping of the floor and stuff like that could have been really creepy and built on and stuff. But yeah, just with more screen time and context would have been really good. Um, but it's a shame. Um, as for... For the rest of them, I think Jill is one of my two MVPs. Uh, Steve, I'm mm. going to agree, disagree with you about one of them as well. Um, so for Jill, like not only did she have multiple badass set pieces, my favourite being uh, the knife use, which also foreshadowed the end as well. Um, you know, flipping about with that knife and running along and stabbing the zombies and stuff. I think character-wise, she actually felt like a she was in a place that she would be at this point in the timeline, you know, a little detached and rogue, but determined. And I thought the performance was probably the best of the lot too. Um, it was more understated than RE3 Remake, which is definitely the right choice because of all the stuff that she's been through since then. So yeah, big fan of Jill in this film. Awesome to see her back. It's funny to think when this film was first announced everyone was like, oh no, Jill's going to get relegated to like a three-second yeah. flashback or something. Yeah. And no, she's she's the main character and has officially the most screen time as well. So that was, yeah, really, really good. Um, Claire, so yeah, Steve, this is where I disagree with you. I mean, thank God we touched on it already. She had, you know, infinitely more to do than Infinite Darkness where she was relegated to drinking coffee and being captured. And, and the lamp. In, yeah. <laughs> in, in this movie, she's... She's investigating, she's shooting, she's hacking. She said the dreaded line, we're in. She did. Know, but what, what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> so yeah, Claire and Jill were MVPs. And, you know, we've, we've mentioned the way Claire was kind of, you know, caring about Antonio, despite him being like a complete asshole. Yeah, I really love how Claire was presented in this movie. And like, it's nothing huge in the way of, development and I think everybody outside of Jill is kind of the same with that there's just no nothing that really pushes these characters forward but as a presentation of Claire another big thumbs up um Leon was in far too much of a good mood for my liking um his existence in this movie was pretty much to crack one-liners and again just after everything he's been through I thought he'd be a little bit more forlorn especially after the events of RE6 but yeah I don't know it's he he was fine and 
it sounds like I'm being critical. He did make me laugh a lot and I enjoyed his presence. It's And for a character that I've kind of been back and forth on and very up and down on, I thought it was good. He d- It didn't make me dislike him. So yeah, it, it was okay. Um, and then, yeah, Chris and Rebecca were there too. They um, They were both kind of relegated in comparison to the rest. I think they both had stuff to do, which is very important. I touched on that earlier. You know, and Rebecca, even though... So for somebody like her who is like, well, did she even need to be in this film? Well, she didn't need to, but the reason she was in it made sense. And again, just the presentation of her being there and bringing the vaccines. And they're her friends, or they're her friends and her colleagues. You know, it's it it does make sense. So I would have loved to have seen more of Rebecca. Uh, she was definitely the one that was, I think, had least to do. But it was, yeah, nice to see them all together. I think... The, all of these characters, the the ensemble, I think generally it was broadly good. And as I said, nothing that hugely advanced them. But I don't think that's the point of these films. I think the juicy stuff is always going to be saved for the yeah. games. So, yeah, as a fun movie outing with seeing them all together, it, it definitely hasn't done any damage, I think, to any of them appearing in the film. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's possibly my most positive section. They all were kind of good <laughs> in their own in their own ways and yeah absolutely mm. love Jill Jill and Claire my MVPs I'm completely with you like this is the thing that I'm most positive about as well and when it comes to Claire and Rebecca I completely agree uh you said such a poignant thing there about it doing damage unlike Vendetta which was dreadful yes. for several <laughs> characters you know when Leon murders people on a freeway just whatever okay apparently that's the thing he does and Rebecca gets put in a wedding dress and captured immediately after it happening in Biohazard the stage which actually now that I think about it might have come out afterwards but it's besides the point the fact that they brought her back to the series after so long and immediately made her a damsel in distress and I'm really glad no one played the role of that in this film uh, which was nice and especially as well that they and I'm not saying that the Claire and Rebecca can't have cool like more standard badass moments of like action heroism and Claire did get a, a few of them but I'm really glad they got to have some cool moments that represented them so more as sort of support role characters which is what because what the sort of action heroes of the series at this point really are chris and leon and now returning jill is a big sort of part of the film is the fact that she is still action woman and she'll put herself in danger and stuff uh so it was a really good for me instead of just having everyone firing rockets at the monster it's really cool to have that moment, as we said before, where Claire and Rebecca, not a pairing I'd ever considered before, but seeing them together work together behind the scenes a little bit was mm. really cool. Yeah. It, uh, it speaks to their character arcs at this point with Claire working for TerraSave and Rebecca being sort of like, you know, an independent uh, person that works with the BSAA on certain uh, investigations and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was, I, yeah I'm yeah, i with you. I, th- I think the representations of those characters, all of them were really good, and we'll get into more of them uh, in a bit. But those two especially, yeah, great, great examples. Uh, James, how did you feel about uh, the characters in Death Island? Uh, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I am, uh, I, I really like Jill, and I like how dark and moody she was. Um, mm. It made complete sense, Uh based on a character. I think I feel like they did well to fill in all like that chat she has with Chris was very important at the beginning. Yes. Yeah. Um and yeah. they did great with the script there like explaining what had happened and I could really through the screen I could feel her pain that she was feeling. And Chris 
um, you know, unlike uh, some of the games, was being very accepting and validating towards her, which was really good to see. You know, um, she was mm. he was being a, a good um, a good character, a good friend to her because that's what they are. Um, yeah, um, that like there is. I know there's been a lot of like positive positive things to say about Jill, right? But there are some lines she delivered that were flat or they were weird. Like, um, Kells, you mentioned the scene earlier with the flare and like it was a, uh, like it was really cool. Like it was a you know reference to Jurassic Park and stuff, and it was really dope. But the way she says "ugly" did not hit. It. <laughs> she goes "ugly." <laughs> she puts in so many e's i don't know if that was the right way to go but you know i just wanted she didn't i don't know why that was put in it was very strange and it took me completely out i actually burst out laughing um at that point because it, it just felt like a five-year-old was you know just <laughs> you know telling off a bow at that point um <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure, James, I don't mean to interrupt. I'm sure yeah. I read in one of those interviews with Nicole, she said they didn't do loads of takes for this movie. Okay. Oh, <laughs> she was, okay. She, yeah. Um, which I, yeah, now you've said that, it's like, uh, maybe that, that was like yeah. a one, one and done. Yeah, that may, I mean, that definitely makes sense. Like, maybe, like, she did, like, five other takes or, like, four other takes or whatever. And they were just like, yeah. no, these ones aren't working. Well, let me get the last one. And they're like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> this is the one, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Uh, but other than that, like, Jill was standout for me. Um, I would have, uh, as everybody, yeah, I would have loved some more Rebecca. But as usual, she is the hero. Um, if it wasn't for Rebecca, <laughs> um, everybody would have died. And, yeah. you know, uh, so she had a really big... She had a really big part to play, but she was a small part, and it would have been nice to see more of that. Um, now, uh, another kind of negative thing I'm going to say is, I, to no one's surprise, I hate Dylan, right? And I thought, I think, <laughs> I think, to bring the whole gang together to beat Dylan the villain is a lost opportunity. I mean, a no-name villain... Like to bring everybody back together? No, thank yeah. you. That was really yeah. This is my point. We're missing like you know ten episodes of TV show or yeah. something. It's yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, I, it's it was just yeah. I I couldn't get yeah. I I couldn't get behind that. I mean, you know, they were trying to push. You know, we said it earlier. Well, Kels, I think you mentioned it earlier about how OP these BOWs were. Right, so like it would be, it makes sense that everybody would have to come together. But the the villain just wasn't interesting enough for everybody. People, everyone doesn't come together for Wesker for Christ's sakes, you know. <laughs> like, and they get like they come together for the guy that you know was yeah. in Raccoon City one time, you know, who everybody forgot. It was it was yeah, it was really silly. Um, and then you know to expand on some more kind of I, I mentioned earlier there were some moments in it where um you know you had stupid people problems right and and chris and claire were a part of that um at one point um so you know uh, i can't remember his name but you know the butthole that claire he calls her a terrorist i can't remember his name um but antonio antonio thank you yeah um they don't check if that guy's bit they don't check if he's bit he comes through he's just come through a whole avenue like a tunnel this happens a couple times and I, I put in my notes, if this dude, Chris and Claire, found his bit and Claire doesn't check thoroughly, I'm going to riot. And I am going to riot. 
right? It's just, <laughs> you know, that's just, you know, at this point, you know, after over, I mean, in their case, you know, almost 20 years, like, of dealing with this kind of stuff, right, you don't check if somebody's been bit after you haven't seen them, they just come through the door, right, and say all these wild things. You know, you check if they're bit. It just, you know, Chris, you should also check. Um, yeah, but, you know, that, that was it. That was pretty much, like, the last kind of point I have with those two. Um, Leon, you know, I think when we were when we were kind of hyping this or kind of talking about this in previous episodes uh we were worried because i don't think the guy who's i don't can't remember his name but the guy who's normally a leon fanboy who does these cgi films um oh, yeah. it wasn't a part of this one as much and mm. uh yeah we were you know we were like oh thank goodness you know leon isn't gonna be like the main character and he wasn't um however he did do uh, a very Leon from the other CGI movies thing, which is like him going up against a super soldier and just stumbling his way through the fight somehow and not just being outright clobbered. You know, somehow he was managing to parry this massive thing um, somehow every opportunity he got. <laughs> um, I, that's that's me being nitpicky, though, to be honest. Like, completely. Um yeah, uh, I also, just some small things about character stuff. I actually going to ask everyone in here and folks listening, um, you know, first of all, I want to say I want Jill's long cardi from the beginning because <laughs> um, it looked very comfy and I want it. And second of all, what was on Rebecca's coffee mug? CM plus CCXWC. So, yeah. What is that? Oh, like chocolate, God. like mocha, like it's latte or something? White, I think it's white chocolate, white chocolate, cappuccino. Um, and I can't remember what the last bit is, but somebody actually pointed out on Twitter what it was. I, <laughs> I want to have it, X- of course. XWC? XWC, X- extra... It, the chat know. says it's V-Jolt, James. V- <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it, was, it was CM plus CC times WC. So was, I don't know. So James, what does that mean? Know. Everybody, so you know, just give me a tweet... Let me know, yeah, just... like what that is, because it's very important <laughs> to Rebecca Chambers' character development. Okay, yes. uh, you know what her white girl Starbucks order is, and I also yeah, yeah. want to become that white girl. So, if you would like to give me <laughs> that recipe, I'd appreciate it. Fantastic. Um, okay, yeah. So you guys have said obviously a lot of stuff that I was definitely going to say about characters because we're all very much in agreement. Like it's great to see Jill back um, and in a major role. They allow her to be cool. They allow her to have some sarcasm as well in there, um, and they do uh, address finally some of the questions regarding her past, even if it is a little, you know, slight. It could have probably gone deeper with it, but. You know, it's fine. With the pace of the film, it needs to keep going, so I'm not too mad about it. It is a little odd that it's six years since the uh, events of Resident Evil 5. Seems like quite a big stretch of time, but if I wanted to look at that positively, that's six years now where if they wanted to do some kind of other interqual and have PTSD-stricken Jill, there's plenty of room in there for some Jill stories Mm. in there while she's still sort of going through the motions, whereas this is kind of feels like the beginning of or a major point in sort of her recovery from that which is clearly what they're aiming for um i talked about the other ladies but i'll talk about the men as well um i really like chris in this i I really like chris in this is like the sort of soft guardian character as everybody's correctly pointed out he might be the character with the less uh with less to do the least to do um but he he added something to it to me it's not daddy redfield 
uh, with his stupid, you know, holiday shirt on. I, I actually <laughs> quite enjoyed Chris in this. And uh, Leon's an interesting one uh, because a year before this in Vendetta, he's in the mopey alcoholic state that Chris was in in RE6. Um, and he's he's fine now, I guess. He's all, he's, all, he's all okay a year later. So that's good. And I think for every almost every character here, with the exception of Chris, this is the most recent in the canon that we've seen them even though it is six years before the events of Village. Yeah. Uh, this is the most recent appearance for pretty much all of these characters. So it's a good idea. Uh, it's our best idea of what where they're at uh, when it comes to the present day or, or whatever might come next in terms of new storyline stuff. Um, so Leon absolutely fit in well here. They needed a character to be a bit more like the comic relief and I made they absolutely made the right choice of course um his he might have my favorite line of the film which is so dumb when Dylan does his James Marcus as Steve has put it and you know whatever the villain line is where it's like finally I've gathered you all here and Leon goes well if it isn't whoever you are <laughs> yeah like, it was great the delivery was great I thoroughly enjoyed it like it was just so nice to have them all here and as everyone has said Jill got the most amount of screen time, but I don't feel like anyone was particularly done dirty, which is the most important thing. Um, no. And this, yeah, it absolutely is a reason to to enjoy a rewatch of it as well, certainly. Um, which brings us nicely on to audio, I guess, which will be... We can talk about music and stuff like that, absolutely, but I think the main point is to talk about the performance of the voice actors. Um, and again, something that I'm just really happy with, and it's a really weird wonderful oddball mishmash cast um, because we have some stuff with people coming over from Vendetta uh, with um, Matthew Mercer back as Leon um, Kevin Dorman back as Chris Aaron Carhill as Rebecca again um, but we also have Remake 2 and Infinite Darkness Claire with the current voice actor and Stephanie Panicello and obviously the current voice actor for Jill uh, being Nicole who did a fantastic job there might have been some weird awkward line reads and I'm going to have to search out this ugly line but I think for the most part she did a really good job of sort of aging her up appropriately um Despite the issue that we got with her dressing like it's still 1998, which I cannot stand, the fact that they've turned these characters into cartoon characters now with her and mm. Claire in particular. Claire at this point is just erasing her entire wardrobe for that red jacket and I'm very, very displeased. But performance-wise, I think they they all pretty much killed it, really. Uh, so I'm pretty happy with that as well. It's also worth mentioning that Sally Safioti, if I'm saying that right, returning as Ingrid Hunnigan. I don't think she was in Vendetta, but she's got a voice role in this, which was nice to have her back. And Steve, you pointed out an interesting bit of trivia to me before we recorded, so I'm going to let you go first. What did you think of the return of Hunnigan and the voice acting in general? Uh, honestly, yeah, it was cute. It was amazing because it, it felt very nostalgic. Uh, I, I like it when Leon and Hunnigan have like banter in like the various moments they have. So yeah, I, I know it can be a, a, a bit of a flirty git in the original RE, RE4, but otherwise they've always been like, I feel like a team, a duo. I, I would like to see a, a slightly more tailored down Leon adventure in the modern or present day where he's got Hunnigan in his ear as like his, uh, his, his lady on the comms. They can even walk slowly with their, their hands on the rear like they, like, you know, like they do in video games. Uh, it was just fun. But yeah, she's now the longest uh, recurring voice actress, isn't yep. she? Um, even after the uh, the ever illustrious Alison Court. Uh, surprising. Mm. 
that that's almost feeling like a separation of eras to me in a way. Uh, regarding the other voice actors, I kind of want Kevin Dorman to come back as Chris in game because of the energy he kind of brought to him. I really like. I love Dad Energy Chris. Like the the ending line where he says, "This this op sucked." This son of yeah, man, I feel you. I actually feel that energy and the the way that he was <laughs> considerate to Jill. It, yeah, pretty good. Uh, Steph Paracello is a divisive character. I still like her take on Claire. Leon, Matt, like, you know, I know everyone likes Nick Apostolidis, but there was something about the way Matt did this role this time. I don't mind Matt taking the crack at bat too. Uh, yeah. It's nice that we get both, isn't it? Like, yeah. what, a, what a wonderful mm. thing that we can have both and just appreciate both. Yeah, like, uh, we can have, like, young Leon, and that's Nick, and old Leon, that's Matt. Not saying you're yeah. old, Matt, but, you know, you, you <laughs> get what I'm saying. They all did solid turns. I feel like if there are a few wonky line reads, you know, that they're all overshadowed by the way they actually put the chemistry of the characters on screen together. That's the reason I keep watching the film. Uh, excluding, of course, like, you know, evil Russian villain lady only has like three lines and you killed my father or whatever she says. That, that was obviously a bit hokey. Uh, <laughs> Dylan Blake? Okay, actually. I yeah. thought uh, yeah. the only line read I thought of is it was a little bit naff was the opening, stop it! Uh, you know, but that might have been the CGI. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe, maybe the voice and CGI just didn't mesh very well. Otherwise, uh, had a had a decent stage presence. I felt like. Uh, so yeah, no real complaints on that. But the only other note I had is the film only had like one song, and that was that da 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 da, or you know, we can't afford the Avengers theme. Um, <laughs> yeah, it had a light motif, I guess. Because I think yeah, there's little sort of, yeah. gentle remixes of that, but that's the only theme they had, which is a shame. Uh, but that's modern movies and music, I guess. But Tell no, you know, I did. Uh, I did like the theme though, the intro theme. It's worth saying. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Other than that, uh, audio-wise, I had no real complaints. Yes. Uh, I also just want to shout out Dylan Blake, played by Damon Mills, by the way, who's uh, an absolute pro. So I'm really not surprised. Uh, you might know them as the new voice of Freezer. Ah, uh, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, after the death of Chris Ayers, uh, it's Damon Mars that took over. So I'm really not surprised that he's got that commanding villain presence. I was like, yeah, he was really good at very, that role. Very different energy. I didn't, I didn't even pick. I'm normally good. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. You wouldn't. I would never have guessed that. But yes, absolutely. Uh, James, any thoughts on audio? And also, I believe we might now have the answer to your question already about Rebecca's coffee. Is that right? Oh, fantastic! This is very important. <laughs> Um, is that not as the as chat worked out? Yeah, it looks like they might have got some of there's it. There's been some. Oh yeah. Anyway, any good to you? <laughs> Sorry, I go will on. check it out. Uh, we've got caramel macchiato with extra whipped cream. That's what the XWC yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. CC. Extra whipped cream. Oh, okay, that makes sense. This is fair. Told you it was white girl Starbucks order. I know, as someone who orders white girl Starbucks. Yeah, as I say, this is very important and will be used um, for very important things. Um, <laughs> Look for that video on the channel episode, soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a, yeah, I, I can't really say much more. I think because I like I. I, I do think that Dylan, the, the VO for Dylan did a great job. I just, yeah, the character was written badly. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, yeah, he was, he's just not very well uh, thought out. Uh, and it, that's not the vo- the VO's fault um, mm-hmm. at all. Um, as usual, you, Matt can't do any wrong with me. Uh, Matt, <laughs> you know, even though I don't particularly like Leon, I, I suppose he's middling, you know, in this, because um, he still doesn't quite fit the Leon I know um, and love. It's Matt Mercer, so I 
yeah, I'm just going to have love for him because of Matt. Because <laughs> of Matt. Um, yeah, I uh, yeah. So I mean, I I feel like Leon. For me, I feel like Leon and Jill were big standouts for me um, in terms of their VOs. Again, I am biased with Dylan coming in second, whereas everybody else like kind of didn't really elevate themselves. But I think that was on purpose. Mm. Like especially Chris, like he was meant to be. He was meant to take a sidestep. You know, he's the one that bring, yeah. he's the team leader. He's the one that's meant to bring everybody together, and he did do that. Um, he did his job. Um, yeah, and then like with Claire and and with Claire and Rebecca, they're they're twosome. That was great to see, um, and they acted well together. Um, and the VO for them was again fantastic. Uh, yeah, the in terms of like the sound effects and stuff, again, it was, everything was very generic. Uh, yeah. You know, there wasn't anything that stood out. And normally, I'm very susceptible to a good womp womp sound or something charging up you know anything like that but the the (laughs) the plasma rifle didn't really impress me um and yeah but i mean what what can you ask for it's a a resident evil cgi movie you're gonna get typical michael bay you know explosions and stuff Uh, nothing blew me away in that aspect excuse the pun yeah um yeah that's that's pretty much it because everyone else said like really good points um uh, oh yeah, actually, in terms of the monster BOW sounds, I think they could have been done better. Actually, they're a little bit subpar. I think um, even the liquors, because the liquors felt quite generic to me. Um, and again, like Steve brought up the sighing of Dylan, which was the sighing of <laughs> Dylan. Wow, that sounds like a eighties like Pulp Fiction like book. You know? um, but yeah, the sighing. New album by David Bowie. <laughs> um yeah uh yeah that's i think that's all i gotta say about that cool okay uh kdb any final thoughts on audio no not really i think everyone's covered it i don't want to say flawless i just think it was really strong across the board with the voice acting um yeah music wise i don't really remember (laughs) too much of it but yeah really really cool that we're talking about the voice acting and yeah kind of gushing a bit i think everyone did a really good job um i was just having a quick look um seeing if i could find that interview that i was talking about and i did and i will post it in the chat uh audio listeners won't see this but basically uh, there was a couple of things i wanted to point out and one was they did ask matt a question about leon and they basically said what brought you back to death island and he essentially says i was uh, completely surprised so <laughs> i think you know I don't know what the reason was for him being brought back, but he says also that he loves the work that Nick's done and he's done incredible work. And maybe, who knows, we'll have a Leon verse down the road. So I thought that was quite fun. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, Sai, it's just so cool that I think they can both exist and they can, you know, yeah. there's nothing wrong with having a tag team of awesome voice actors like jumping into the role for whatever. Maybe it was just an availability thing. Who knows? Um, mm. And then, yeah, I, kn- I knew I wasn't making it up. Nicole said something about uh bloopers and she says uh you want to tr- do a line and say that's not right let's do it again and the producers and the booth are like well it fits uh so we're keeping it so <laughs> so maybe that's what you were talking about james fair enough um, yeah yeah but yeah really really cool i i, I love the voice acting this i thought uh nicole was really good matt was really good even though i kind of made fun of leon and his cordy one-liners all of them made me laugh so <laughs> job mm-hmm. done i suppose mm-hmm. yeah uh, when it comes to voice actors, my only last point, since we're on the sort of subject of talking about, you know, characters having multiple voice actors right now, um, I've 
expressed my I don't know what the emotion is with Chris from Village. I have no issue with Jeff uh, Shine, Jeff Sheen uh, playing Carlos. I just it really took me out when he played Chris as well with the same voice. I really would like Kevin Dorman in a Resident Evil video game, mm. especially if they're going in soft Chris routes, and I doubt they are considering the story that we're coming out of Village. It'll be interesting to see if he can play a more rough um, uh, and PO'd kind of Chris as well. But I really like. The fact that, you know, the story of Kevin Dorman as the voice of Chris in the RE5 trailer, who didn't get his uh, proper way to the role until Vendetta. Like, he had to wait all that time to actually get to play Chris. And now he's got to come back for Death Island, and I'm, I'd be happy to see more of it, absolutely. Um, but yes, across the board, the fact that we had some variety and stuff was really nice, and everybody felt like the characters they should be, and it didn't feel weird uh, with that we had remake-era voice actors interacting with some returning voice actors so let's get to the conclusion then let's wrap it up how did we feel about death island where does it rank in terms of the cgi resi films and since we've all mentioned it a little bit uh would we be interested in a third film that maybe jumps off from this in the same and we didn't talk about it too much but the link to vendetta is quite small but would you be interested in seeing another follow-up quite quickly after this we have an infinite darkness and death island in quite short order so who knows uh kelsey what are your thoughts on death island as a whole um so i think pleasantly surprised is kind of one way to sum it up i i did have low expectations going in so that probably helps but also i don't want to do a disservice i think there was a lot of fun to be had in this despite some of my criticisms today um i think for me it was the most enjoyable of the cg movies it felt like it was speaking to me by focusing on the iconic heroes uh, even though you know Sherwin's not here Barry where's Barry sadly no Barry but you know maybe yeah. he's going to come in this supposed third film um <laughs> vi- visuals are fine sometimes really good sometimes not I think the story we got was simple enough fun I love that it expanded the perspective of a character in the universe and story that we already know <clears throat> it was just missing as always kind of more time to breathe I felt that yeah we always say that a lot about a lot about the sort of resident evil screen media so some more time to stew on things um yeah it's a bit of a shame so it it was really fun just a little bit disposable maybe that's a bit too harsh i think you can you can enjoy the resident evil games and such without ever watching this film it's surplus to the canon in lots of ways it doesn't give us huge leaps in character development uh, except for maybe Jill, which I think, yeah, really, really strong mm. there. So for the most part, it was definitely a film I enjoyed. I just think, yeah, a bit disposable. I don't think, like some other stuff, it's, you know, an embarrassment to the franchise. It doesn't actively do harm to the franchise or the characters. Yeah, things are very up and down with RE. As we know, we're all very spoiled, but it's just... Yeah, I, th- I think even my disdain for the CG route, as I've said, you know, I can put that aside. This was <laughs> feels like shockingly that it was made with some care and attention and i think they probably pulled off the best job they could do with probably the budget and time that they had so if you're a fan of resident evil and you have nothing else to do definitely chuck it on and watch it you'll probably smile and laugh and see all the characters and have fun uh it's not gonna hugely challenge you or change your life but i don't i don't think it's supposed to uh yeah it's rambling a bit it's I liked it way more than I thought I would. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a thumbs up from me. 
Cool. Uh, James, final thoughts on Death Island. Where does it rank for you? Uh, would you be interested in another one? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like Kel's said it really well there. Like, it's it's not something you should take very seriously. And mm. none of the CGI films are. And I have taken it quite seriously um, to a certain extent, just on a critical level. Um, I do think that's important. But at the same time, you do need to have an open mind to these movies um, it's going to be interesting, like if the CGI movies ever attempt to get to like beyond twenty twenties and the twenty thirties. It's going to be interesting to see what they do, like with the future. Um, mm. But yeah, just judging by the past of CGI movies, we you know, they, yeah again, as Kel said, they haven't really not tried. Tried is the wrong word, but they haven't pushed the franchise. You know, with these, they haven't like done any risks or anything. It's very, it's, it's clearly a, a like a pattern. There's a flow and there's a recipe that they have for these uh, for these CGI films. Um, yeah, in conclusion, like it, it is out of all of them, it's my favorite by far. Um, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, uh, even with all the <laughs> all the silliness towards the end, and it is like the the beginning of it is such a huge upvote for me like it's it's huge it's such a good start and i love all like the little uh vignettes you got and the you know the small kind of scenes you got and they're very good um and i think they kind of raise up for me uh beyond um everything else and yeah it did make me giggle um i do need to watch it again i've watched it twice now but i do need to watch it again um because i i also feel like they are it's the kind of movie that you do need to be in the mood for you know, if you just want, yeah, um, like I feel like this is a good movie to watch with friends. If you have friends around and you all love Resident Evil, um, just as the franchise, you know, put on this movie and you're all going to be having fun. Whether it's laughing at the characters and the liners or the silly story or not, you're going to be having fun watching this movie. Mm. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because you say about you know it doesn't move the series forward and largely I agree but as Kelsey has pointed out at least we've got some resolution potentially to what's been going on with Jill for all this time and as much as I hate Infinite Darkness um, it ended on a really interesting note with the dissolution of Claire and Leon's relationship which I guess at some point got fixed again because they well I guess they don't overly interact in this so we don't know that for sure but uh they may well never go back to that, but there's some uh, there's some stuff that they could build on from here, whether or not they will. Uh, yeah, I'm with you guys. Stupid fun. It's very flawed. Uh, I I'm going to be bold in two different directions. I think this film might well be utterly worthless unless you've got a couple of Resident Evil games under your belt at least. Like if you were coming into this and this is your first interaction with the franchise. I don't know, it's, it'd be very whatever, but as a fan, it's kind of fun because, you know, you get to see all the characters together hanging out in different yeah. pairings and stuff like that. And there's tons of references that are very clearly designed for the fans. And for that reason, I enjoyed it, even though that is quite arguably quite a vapid reason to enjoy a film. Uh, I think that the ending, for all of its flaws, is the best scene in a Resident Evil animated project, bar... The damnation tyrant fight that, uh, that Steve, you quite rightfully brought up earlier. That, that you're right. That is probably going to always be king. But this is right up there. And in terms of the CGI films, this again, yeah, I'm the same. This is my favourite, quite comfortably. 
and it might well be my favourite Resident Evil film, full stop. Like, mm. I think this... I mean, Welcome to Raccoon City is pretty good fun, and Apocalypse is good fun in its own stupid way, uh, but this certainly sits among those films. I'm not quite sure, but it might It might be. I don't know. Mm. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed it. Very positive. Steve, how do you feel about Death Island? Oh, boy. Uh, I've already been very ramblematic this podcast, so I'll just be succinct <laughs> and say that after the Netflix show, Infinite Darkness and Welcome to Raccoon City, it's nice that yeah. I can watch a Resident Evil film and enjoy it. And I will fully yes. attest that if you're not a Resident Evil fan, one, getting to the end of this podcast and hearing my thoughts on it, very impressive. But also, two, don't watch it. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's literally, if you're not a Resident Evil fan, it will be, like Sai said, worthless. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for the next one. That's something I didn't think I'd say. And this is despite the fact this film has had perhaps one of the worst distributions ever for yeah. a uh, Resident Evil property item. Product. I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, yeah, in the next one, can we at least get like maybe Barry, Moira, Sherry, um, Jake, uh, anyone else I can think of quick? Ada, I guess. Maybe. You know, let, let's do the full Avengers thing. You know, uh, don't bring Wesker back. He's crap. But maybe Spencer or somebody. Did I just no call Wesker this. crap on a podcast for Resident Evil? Oh, God, I'm going to get shot. Yeah, yeah, no, Death Adam's <laughs> all right. Yeah, I, I didn't hate it. I can fully admit that I've nitpicked this film to death. But yeah, C+. Plus. Yeah, uh, go, yeah. I don't know if I would go. Let's have every other character we have that's not in this in the next sequel. Yeah, because that yeah, would, yeah. Probably I'm, I'm, like Avengers fun. side. You got to think, you know, Kevin Feige know. <laughs> <laughs> has to get bigger every time. Re- Res- yeah, Resident we need Evil Academy. <laughs> yeah, we need Barry or you know, and or another couple of extra characters and a few of the core cast carry on. Maybe not all five of them to the next film. That's what I'd have uh, certainly be down to see what happens. And I assume 2016, considering that Vendetta and Death Island take place in 2014 and 2015. But that's all pie in the sky. Like They've not announced anything. Um, and who knows what goes into factoring if they're going to make another one. But we've all been positive enough, clearly, about seeing more of this, which is, again, quite remarkable, considering how... Infinite Darkness was a, quite a miserable podcast for us to do, so much so that James just pulled out beforehand because I'm not talking about this, and I completely understand. So yeah. it is nice that even with all the nonsense coming into this and its availability, uh, that we all at least had a good time with a Resident Evil animated piece of media, finally. Uh, look forward to covering the first three films, which you've not yet done in future episodes of the show. But nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors, our Patreons, our listeners, and of course Magic Mind as well. Join the First Aid Spray Discord server to become part of our community and hear the show early and unedited. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and more. All of these links and all of our content can be found at fasprayPod.com. You can listen to the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcasting apps. And if you like what you hear, please do leave us a review where you can and spread the good word. Don't forget you can support the show by picking up some merch or at patreon.com forward slash Pod for as little as $1 a month. In our next episode, we head back to the labs to experiment on our T-virus as we discover the various strains of the virus in part two of our virology series. Thank you to the panel. You can follow all of the Pueblo people individually. I'm at Siniac underscore one two three. Steve is at FB Steve was taken. James is at Moist Outlets OFF and Kelsey is at K underscore D underscore B underscore. And finally, thank you for listening and have a good week.
So what have we decided here, right? So uh, CM is caramel. Oh yeah, macchiato right, right. is that right? CC is chocolate chips. People think, and no, XWC is sure. extra whipped cream. Coffee creamer. Chocolate chips. Coffee creamer. In coffee creamer. But apparently on this website that has all the Starbucks sort of codes, CC isn't actually on there. So uh, mm-hmm. CC. It, even... it could be coffee right. creamer. Yeah, maybe. But how much coffee cream? Because <laughs> well, mean... evidently the the lady likes her sugary sweets, which is yes. which is fine, really. Not surprised. Somehow that seems right, doesn't it? Rebecca so, and I are basically the same person. Yeah, we know this. <laughs> <laughs> 